From this distant vantage point, the Earth might not seem of any particular interest. But for us, it's different. Consider again that dot. That's here. That's home. That's us. On it, everyone you love, everyone you know, everyone you ever heard of, every human being who ever was, lived out their lives. The aggregate of our joy and suffering, thousands of confident religions, ideologies, and economic doctrines, every hunter and forager, every hero and coward, every creator and destroyer of civilization, every king and peasant, every young couple in love, every mother and father, hopeful child, inventor and explorer, every teacher of morals, every corrupt politician, every superstar, every supreme leader, every saint and sinner in the history of our species lived there on the mote of dust suspended in a sunbeam. The earth is a very small stage in a vast cosmic arena. Think of the rivers of blood spilled by all those generals and emperors so that in glory and triumph they could become the momentary masters of a fraction of a dot. Think of the endless cruelties visited by the inhabitants of one corner of this pixel on the scarcely distinguishable inhabitants of some other corner. How frequent their misunderstandings. How eager they are to kill one another. How fervent their hatreds. Our posturings, our imagined self-importance, the delusion that we have some privileged position in the universe, are challenged by this point of pale light. Our planet is a lonely speck in the great enveloping cosmic dark. In our obscurity, in all this vastness, there is no hint that help will come from elsewhere to save us from ourselves. The Earth is the only world known so far to harbor life. There is nowhere else, at least in the near future, to which our species could migrate. Visit? Yes. Settle? Not yet. Like it or not, for the moment, the Earth is where we make our stand. It has been said that astronomy is a humbling and character-building experience. There is perhaps no better demonstration of the folly of human conceits than this distant image of our tiny world. To me, it underscores our responsibility to deal more kindly with one another and to preserve and cherish the pale blue dot. And that's Carl Sagan with Pale Blue Dot. I like that guy a whole lot. Yeah. I miss him. There he he was a super duper guy. Yeah, I th- I thought I would play a little bit of that for some podcast inspiration. I think there's a lot of similarities there with him and and uh Neil deGrasse Tyson. Just oh, yeah. in and the way that they're able to get science out to the masses and make it fun and interesting. Well, and they're just so passionate. You and know, pa- Sagan, yeah, Sagan was so passionate about it. Tyson is so passionate about mm-hmm. it, you know, that it 
it's their passion that makes other people so excited about it. Yeah, I, right. I love watching Neil deGrasse Tyson speak anywhere, mm-hmm. if he's interviewed, if he's doing a lecture, anything, because he's so passionate and so excited about it that yeah. he gets other people into it. And I'm I'm getting over a cold, so if I sound extra weird this evening, that's why. It wasn't because I accidentally hit the auto-tune button again. <laughs> I forgot about that. It was that two episodes ago? Yeah, yeah, where I accidentally hit the auto-tune button while uploading it. And Dan <laughs> had a weird T-Pain. voice every once in a while. <laughs> I listened to the like, first version before you, before you re-uploaded <laughs> it again. And I thought, shit, is there something wrong with my Bluetooth headset? Like, what the fuck is going on? It keeps sounding all weird. No. <laughs> no, Ryan auto-tuned me. I, I, I auto-tuned all of us by accident, but for some reason, it really loved your voice. <laughs> I'm very singy. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'm I'm getting over cold, and I'm drugged up a little bit, so if I start to ramble, one of you guys just tap me on the head or something. Or let it go. Throw something at me, I don't so know. Uh, we are joined in studio this week by Mr. Greg Hawkins. Yay! Yeah. Welcome, welcome. Uh so, for those who don't know Mr. Greg Hawkins, Greg is a 21-year-old Utah resident who has been published in American Atheist Magazine and recently had a guest appearance on Dan Errol's blog. Mm-hmm. Um, tell us a little bit more about yourself, Greg. Very nice writer, too, I might add. Yes, very well. Very, very, very <sighs> oh, good Thank writer, you. Sure. Thank you. I was very impressed with both of them, actually. Appreciate it. Um, let's see. Not much to know. My name is Greg. Hi, everybody. I am a student at the University of Utah, studying political science and philosophy. The plan is to go to law school after graduation. And what's kind of funny about that is um, the the guy who wrote um, Skeptic's Annotated Bible, um, he actually got a hold of that article that you mentioned, the American Atheist one, and he's actually a law, um, married to a law school admissions counselor. And so nice. they were able to talk to me about about admissions processes at the University of Utah when we were having um, one of the university, like, law school fairs or whatever they were. It was, oh, cool. Yeah, it was really nice. Um, so do you plan on going? That's the S.J. Quinney Law School, right? Yeah, Quinney. <clears throat> Is that where you plan to attend, or do you want to go somewhere else? It's def- I'm definitely going to apply there, for sure. Yeah. Um, but there are quite a few that I'm, if I can afford the application fees, mm-hmm. there are quite a few that I want to send my applications out to. Yeah. So we'll see how that turns out. But so let's go. Let's go back like say ten years or so. Right. Um, like to when you were eleven. We, right. A <laughs> <laughs> young lad. What, I mean, like so. A, a lot of people might be wondering why not BYU law, right? right? Uh, so so let's so let's go back <laughs> or or not. No. <laughs> well, and, and real quick too. I don't. I don't know if we actually said welcome to the Godless Revolution, everybody. Yep. I'm Dan. We can go around the room real quick. I'm yeah. Dan. We've got Matt, mm-hmm. Ryan, and Greg, of course, with us. Hello. Now back to the show. Yeah. <laughs> Very smooth. <laughs> Thank so, you. Thank you. So set the scene like ten years ago. You growing up right, Provo? I grew up in Riverton. Oh, in River. Well. Okay, so Salt Lake County's Provo. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right right at the point of the mountain for sure. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh Mormon, raised Mormon? Absolutely, yeah. Mm-hmm. All your immediate family? Yes. The whole the whole shebang. They were all um converts to the church actually. Oh. My dad was a Lutheran. Mm. Um they grew up in Iowa, both of my parents. Oh. My dad was a Lutheran. My mom was a member of the Church of the Brethren, 
um, which I think is a sect of Baptist, but I can't be 100% yeah. sure, so don't quote me there. Hmm. Um, There's so many of them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it was the closest. They lived, They lived. both lived on farms, and those but were the closest denominations. Protestant, though, for sure. Protestant. Okay. And um, they were both converts to the church when they were young, probably close to, to my age or a little bit younger right now. Converts to the Mormon church. Yes. Uh-huh. Missionaries stopped on their doorsteps, and they took the lessons with their families, and the whole families ended up converting. Wow. Hmm. Yeah, so quite... I, I guess quite a success story for those missionaries. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you were first generation of your family actually raised in the LDS faith. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. That is true. Um, and for everybody, I, I was saying this to the guys earlier, but I was adopted. And my birth family, actually, um, my birth mom is also was also um, a Latter-day Saint. Uh, but my birth father was not... But I didn't get to, I didn't really know them for a very, very long time. So my adopted family was really the core of everything. And that was very, very strong. So were you adopted as a as an infant or Yeah. Yeah. Um my mom had me when I was like sixteen and when she was sixteen. Yeah. When I was sixteen, um when I was sixteen, my mom had me. (laughs) It was a really long gestation period. So we had she she had some fits with that, but I was like, no, I want to stay in here. I don't want to go to school. I might have a problem with that kind of abortion. <laughs> like, like, this yeah. is a 16-year-old kid. Like, I mean, you can't kill him now. Like, like, He's reading in the womb. Is yeah. the 40th trimester too long? <laughs> you, you throw a book up there, some DVDs. Yeah. You, can, you can handle it. It's fine. Well, right, so she was young. and Yeah. And- and so she put me up for adoption through LDS Social Services, which I don't believe they actually do that anymore. I don't believe they actually do adoptions. I think mm. it was just this year when they got stop that practice of doing that yeah. because they were getting hammered for having people come in from out of state and be like, well, you don't got to tell the husband, we'll just take it and um, we're, you're good. Yeah. Okay. Um, pretty interesting situation there. But yes, I did grow up with my adopted family, very close to them mostly. And that was a very, very um, Latter-day Saint oriented household. My mm-hmm. dad served in the bishopric. My mom was Relief Society president, that mm. sort of thing. Okay. All right. Um, and these are, these are your adopted parents who... Only came into the LDS faith as yes, early they, teens, they were they were they were the Protestants, yeah, okay. um, before and and then converted Mormon, converted and and super TBM and super TBM, wow. you can believe it. So how did yeah. you get to Riverton from Iowa? Yes, so my parents met at BYU. Um, uh, mm-hmm. They met at BYU and they moved to Kearns. After mm-hmm. they finished their education at BYU, mm-hmm. probably what they could afford at the time. Yeah. And um, then they couldn't have children, so they adopted me after they turned 30s, early 30s, I believe. Okay. And then I grew up in Kearns. We had um, a little bit more money because they'd got a little bit better jobs, and they'd saved up for a long time. And so then they, we moved to Riverton, and that's where mm-hmm. we stayed until, until I went on my mission. Okay. So, so up until this point, uh, let's take it from – so from 11 to 18, yeah. you're – that's all you know, right? That's the yes. the whole neighborhood. Yes. I'm assuming in Riverton. Oh yeah, everybody has the same views. Yeah, same. You know, if, and even if they don't, then they're they're kind of that house that you don't talk sure, sure, to. Sure. It's that yeah. house in the neighborhood. <laughs> yeah, you know. Okay. All right. So that that's my house in my neighborhood. <laughs> yeah, I'm that house wherever I go. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I was so Greg. Greg had a little bit of a. Uh, 
problem finding my house tonight. <laughs> I was surprised. I was surprised when you actually had to ask me if my house was the one with the FSM on the front of it. I, I just wanted to know. <laughs> yeah, a I giant flying spaghetti monster all lit yeah, up. Yeah, I chimney. was like, this has got to be his house. Uh-huh. I, just, I don't want to like knock on it and be like, hey, and they're like, this isn't this isn't where you want to be. <laughs> yeah. So, so you're so you're 18. Yeah, and you're ready to send in your papers or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you what, what are your feelings at that point? When I was that age, this was what was interesting. Was I had kind of three years ago. Yeah, I had kind of done <laughs> the um, the whole. I kind of want to be less active, so I was less active. I was going to church, but I was like. I wasn't, I wasn't all within it in my brain, right? I was like, nah, none of this can be right. And then it was like, oh, but it, it has to be right. Like this cognitive dissonance kind of firing in my brain. Was, it, was that an intellectual thing or was it, was it kind of a teenage rebellion thing? I would, I would attribute it more to a teenage rebellion thing. Okay. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't consider myself nearly that smart. <laughs> um, but I don't know, man. <laughs> you're too kind. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so it was probably a teenage rebellion thing more. Just okay. I liked to sin, you know. So, and when I sin, I sin. I mean, like drink coffee and, and <gasps> guys he didn't. Don't tell my parents. So much clutching of pearls. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we'll keep it a secret. And I didn't. I, I I didn't do it a lot, but it was just enough that I was like starting to question, like, oh, I drank coffee and nothing yeah. really bad right. happened. Nothing. Yeah. Yeah. No lightning so, bolts. Yeah, nothing like that. And I went into the the interview with the bishop to start my interview process, and I confessed everything, absolutely everything. Mm. Um. And he was like, well, we're going to have to do a little bit of a repentance process for a couple months, and we'll get your paperwork started. And so we did the <clears throat> repentance process. I got, I got really into it. I got very true-believing Mormon. And then we got the paperwork started, and that was that. I had actually gotten a girlfriend, who's my wife now, um, during the time as well. And I was... Wait, was she LDS that time? No. No? Okay. Well, she, she was Latter-day Saint, but she was one of those... Inactive. Yeah, that okay. house in the neighborhood. The bad house. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. yeah. Um, and so she was kind of like, nah, but I support you no matter what you decide to do. And so I decided, okay, I'm just going to I'm going to go because I'm a selfish bastard and this is <laughs> this is my thing. But that's not what you were thinking. Yeah. Well, right? I, before I went on my mission, I went on a 3-month stint with a drum and bugle corps and that was um it's like a pseudo military style group that's like say, a that's marching band. Interesting. Yeah. And so we'd already been accustomed to being apart for like three months. Oh, okay. It's like, well, we were, we were apart for three months. The mission's going to be a piece of cake. Like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Which is, which is 24. Yeah. Which is seven drum core seasons. <laughs> so, but like, we didn't think of that. So, um, I was like, okay, I'm going to go. I was really starting to believe it. I was trying to get the missionaries over it at her house so that she would start believing it. Right. Right. I had this sort of thing in my head. I was like, okay, if I get the missionaries at her doorstep and I'm serving a mission, She'll be converted by the time I get back. We can get married in the temple. <laughs> Bam. Boom. <laughs> right. And I was super stoked, and I was like, this is going to work. You'll out. be a good returning missionary. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I had the plans, man. Yeah. Like, I've already done my time for drinking coffee. <laughs> the Lord and I have been doing some oh, planning. Yeah. Like, the purgatory was over. I was ready to, I was ready to, to make some of that happen. So <laughs> that's, that's where I was at around, yeah, at around 18. Okay, and so and the the article I have that you that you wrote that was published uh, also or, or or at least at least posted by Hemet Meta. 
yes, um, yes. begins in the MTC, which which is the Missionary Training Center in. I believe they have a few, but the 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 main one is in Provo. I, I, th- I thought that was the only one. There's there's one in the Philippines. Oh, there's okay. one in England. There's in Brazil. Mm-hmm. They're they're all over the place. Yeah, there's right? one in São Paulo, I think, right? Yeah, in Brazil. Uh-huh. So we've never actually talked about the Mormon Training Center, and I'm betting a lot of people don't even know there is such a thing as a Mormon yeah, is, Training Center. Unless you're training from here center, in Utah, but, or, yeah, that's going to be interesting. Yeah, the, yeah, the Missionary Training Center. Mm-hmm. Uh, just walk us through what that's like. <laughs> Okay. Has any has, uh, have any of you guys served missions? No. Any of you returned no. missionaries? I, I never knew what no. LDS was until I came here to Utah when oh, I came here in the man. military. Ryan's a kind oh, of a man. lifelong atheist. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Dan was a little sharper than I was. I was um, raised LDS, but and, and, left and, pretty early. You got yeah. out of it on time. And, and I was too and had and had back and forth issues from about 12 on. Yeah. But I kind of, I, about I went the time really people start back. masturbating about that. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> and thinking. Yeah. And, when, yeah. We, when we yeah. were like, Oh yeah. Well, we're sinning thought. apparently. Yeah. yeah. So, um, I mean, I ended up going to the temple, oh, but yeah. Uh, but then that, that faded quickly, but that's, that can be a whole nother episode. Yeah. Right that, yeah. that definitely could. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But so, uh, the article I have starts with you in the MTC. Right. Um, and you know, I'm not going to go through and read word for word. There's a few questions I have highlighted in here, but if, if you want to just start with, um, obviously the separation from your family, you go to the MTC in Provo yeah. and you begin your your training regiment, as it were. Correct. Yeah. So let me let me paint this picture for everybody. Um, you, the MTC is located in Provo, which means most people have to f- actually fly there, and they're the way they say bye to their family is at the airport. Um, mm-hmm. I was fortunate enough to live in Riverton at the time, which is about a 40-minute drive away from from the Missionary Training Center, which is right off of BYU's campus. Which which we'll be referring to as the MTC from now on. Yeah, the MTC. So we were able to drive there and go to a drop-off point in the parking lot, Mm -hmm. and it's very, very efficient. They, they, (laughs) obviously, (laughs) um, they drive you up, go down sort of a car park, and... They stop you. They flag you down. Two missionaries go up. They help you take your stuff out of your car. They say, and I, I helped people do this when I was like six, seven, eight weeks in the MTC. So I, I figured out the process a little bit. You help people get their bags out. You say you say your last goodbyes to your family and you hug your mom. Everybody's crying mm-hmm. and you hug your dad and they're like, now you're going to go with us. Mm. Yeah, it's going to be great. And you're like, <laughs> at this that's point, that's not cultish at all. Yeah. You're like, say goodbye to everybody you know. Don't hug your girlfriend. You're set yeah. apart, Elder. You're now a missionary of the Lord. You can't be hugging women. Um, so we go up, and it's very, very confusing at first because they're putting a lot on you at once, right? So you go through the first building where you get registered. That's where they take your name, give you your, your ID card in the MTC. That's so that you can... Um, get through doors and go to lunches and stuff. So they give you your ID card. They give you um, a big training packet of materials and they give you um, a card that says who your companion is going to be. After that, you go and get all your books and they give you your language learning books and your gospel learning books and the missionary training guide, which is called preach my gospel. They give all of that to you. They, um, and you're just you're carrying all of this stuff around. Yeah, and the, and the preach my gospel is no thin pamphlet either. That's, no, that's a fairly hefty book. And the thing about the MTC is, if you're serving in a foreign mission or a foreign speaking mission, you mm-hmm. get two copies. You get oh, right, the sure. English copy, and you get 
the for me it was the Tagalog copy. Tagalog, yeah. And so you're carrying twice as much. Yeah, and the Tagalog copy was much larger than the English copy, so it was like <sighs> <laughs> And you still have your luggage and, and all of that. So you go, you drop it off your luggage, you have your books, and then you go to your classroom after you finally see what your dorm is when you drop off all that stuff. And your classroom is I would say that it's very similar to a normal like college classroom if it's cut in not like the auditorium classrooms, but just like the regular small classrooms. Mm-hmm. Very similar to one of those. Carpet on the floor, two whiteboards up front. And the the person that's there, you have a teacher. And the teacher immediately from the first time speaks to you in that language, in the mission language. Mm. Kind of like, do you know this language? No? Okay. Well, you're going to learn it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's very confusing. That's the most confusing part because you're learning. You're, they're speaking to you in this language. They usher you out of that room so you can take some other test on a computer in, in an adjacent room. And that's, I think it's further registration and understanding of rules and things like that, which they do to you in your mission language. So I don't really know why they would do that yeah. if they want the rules to get set in. <laughs> we all know how big the Mormon church is on rules. Yeah. Um, and obedience. But after you're done, you go back to the classroom. Everybody starts trickling in. Um, and that classroom with all the people in it is called a district. That's your district for the MTC. And that, that group of people will be who you'll be with for the entire, um, two to 12 weeks in the MTC. For me, it was nine. And that's, that's your, that's your family and their sisters and elders. You say two to 12 weeks. Is that based on whether you're going to a foreign language speaking mission and yes, very much depending. So now it's two to nine weeks because they shortened the time. They want to get people out as quickly as possible. So if you like grew up in Spanish fork and you're going to serve a mission at temple square, it's like two weeks. Yeah. Two weeks. (laughs) You get to have some awesome food, gain a few pounds and learn nothing but teaching skills. Right. And then you're off to temple square. Gotcha. Okay. Teaching and and some I would I would assume some some type of sales skills and sure, yeah. interpersonal yes. skills that was actually what we learned most in the MTC mm-hmm. was language was part of it but we would do a lot of teaching in English and it was very very by the book you have to make eye contact with these people you have mm-hmm. to ask them these questions in this order in this way and you're supposed to seek for inspiration which basically means read the people that you're teaching (laughs) and they would give you they would give you plants right cues or like they would give you a teacher for me it was um a guy and he was he was filipino and he was a teacher at the mtc but we thought he was real they told us that he was a real investigator so from day three i believe we were trying to teach this guy in tagalog um and they were just hammering us on these and we had to keep very stringent paperwork on um, what lessons we taught him and what we had him commit to and all of that different stuff. And that was probably the sales tactics was the biggest for sure. And the gospel was probably tertiary. Yeah. And I, yeah. I would also yeah, say yeah. not just sales, but that's a little bit of deceit as well. I mean, so, so did you guys is, go intern with like the dish sales guys walking the streets? <laughs> I, trying to sell stuff. It to people. might it might have been funner. We got we got really <laughs> cooped up in there because it's yeah, a very sure. small area. Well, yeah, they don't want any outside out. influence on you. They don't, and they've even set it up so that all the windows don't face towards any roads or buildings. That all the roads and buildings are covered by trees. If you if um since we all we're all from Utah, well we all live in Utah right now. You can drive by the MTC. I guarantee you, you won't be able to see into any of the buildings 
any windows. No. Well, no. I'm betting that's not for people to be able to look out so people can't look in. I believe it's probably both. both. It might be both. It's a yeah. very isolationist. Well, it's also field. it's also directly across from the Provo Temple grounds too. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so let's let's move forward just a bit. And, and in your article, you were you uh, talked about the opening phrase you might have when you when you meet somebody at the door, right? Right. Um, and then you and you did it in Tagalog. Is it Tagalog? Tagalog. Tagalog. You can say Filipino okay. if you if you need to. I'll That's the American is, version. Tagalog is fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then after that, your your next phrase was good thing I learned how to speak the language on the speak the language on the fly during my stay. Gift of tongues. Yes. Period. And I thought that was really interesting because I think I think there's a little bit of tongue in cheek in that. Uh but yeah. but I think for the most part that would just people just skim right past that statement. But in the MTC they actually do preach about the gift of tongues, do, don't they? I mean, they, they do talk about yes. that, even though that's generally a Pentecostal idea. But, but yeah, and it's not none of this like la 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 that sure, people sure, do. Sure. It's the ability to gain the the understanding, right? To to speak in another language. That's actually what we thought it was. That's what we were taught. Is it's not you're not learning another language. You're you're becoming worthy to receive the gift of tongues, <sighs> and learning another language. Is is just your part in that, but the actual ability that missionaries are just so good at speaking because missionaries are typically very mm-hmm. very good at speaking their languages when they come back. Agreed. Um, or you spend two years immersed in it, you better come back. Right. <laughs> but we, we met people that lived in the Philippines yeah. for thirty years and didn't know half of what we knew. Okay. And so we attributed that to gift of tongues. What it really was was we were talking to everybody that we saw. And try, we're trying to sell them something. Oh yeah, sure. So that's that's where it came from. But right. it was taught as gift of tongues, and and it was it was a blessing. If we were strictly obedient, we would get this. <laughs> yeah. You pick up the language and really that, quickly if you're a true believer. That brings up a whole another set of questions. Obedient. But um, so from there, you spent, as you said, another nine weeks in the MTC. Um, and this this part I thought was interesting. You said, although I was raised Mormon, most of my friends and family aren't. I was a little confused, and and I still am, because later in the article you say we'll, we'll get to that. But oh yes, your yes, says, and we've I already did talked notice about you that being after raised. I'd read it. Yeah. So most of my um, friends and family are not, and by that I mean my extended family. They either fell away or they are like they fell away. Or my friends in that case were either less active Mormons, they didn't go to church, mm-hmm. or they weren't Mormon at all. But my family, your, all your of my immediate family, immediate family um, and um, um, from my parents up to the grandparents, the straight lineage, very, very strong active Mormon. But, and my, my, I guess I could have phrased it a little better because my dad's side of the family is less active. My mom's side of the family is extremely extremely um devout the pious okay and the, these are the, these are the people we're talking about who were all converted somewhat simultaneously yes okay. yes so all they right. were all they were all mormons at some point um just some of them fell away sure. um, on my dad's side and i guess i thought i was thinking of it in two different spheres when i was writing it down so oh that's okay all right so that's cleared up um and then that but then you go on to say um which which means that they are sorry which means that they are merely being deceived by the wiles of Satan, right? The ones who are not active anymore. 
who's always getting good, God-fearing, non-Mormon Christians to follow him to hell. Yes. Right. Which, which is, which is somewhat typical. I mean, that's, that's maybe a little harsher than they might state it, but that, that's fairly typical attitude. And the biggest thing I actually got from that, that from the blowback that I got from Mormons when they read this article, active Mormons, was that I was misusing the word hell. That was sure. the biggest one. Yeah, of course. Um, so for everybody that doesn't know, in Mormon culture, Mormon doctrine, hell isn't a, a permanent place. Hell is more of a, is a more of a purgatory, I guess you would say. Um, and it's not exactly that theologically or doctrinally, but it's a good it's a good way to sort of picture this. And so that was probably the biggest sort of blowback that I got from that. But it's still I thought would theologically sound. Well, yeah, because overall, other religions out there, hell's a concept. That's more understood than yeah. Well, and just just like any other, whether it's theological, political, socio socioeconomical, whatever it is, the Mormon Church is again super fuzzy on this one. Yeah, you know, you you'll find like that's, I, that's not the way I learned hell either. It, you know, it's temporary for a very few, like King David, right? Because yeah. he did so much good, but then. Then he messed then up. Then there was Bathsheba and all that. So so he gets a thousand years. Then he's out. But then you ask them, well, does Hitler go to hell? Nobody knows. Well, they, they yeah. have no idea. His ordinance have been pulled for him in the temple. So how do we know? <laughs> it's the, oh. Well, and there's upon him, sure, right? Sure. And there's, I mean, yeah, even yeah. even within the LDS faith, there are there are people who who think that hell is either the celestial kingdom. Where you you yeah. know you don't advance to the terrestrial mm. or mm. celestial kingdom, oh, yeah, and then there are others who say no, hell is outer darkness. Yeah. Right? right, outer darkness is reserved for those who have renounced the church. They you know for the worst of the worst people, yeah. they're they're forever banished to. I always liken it it's, to the, it's for the prison, the like the like <laughs> well, the, gr- the well, glass prison or whatever, the crystal prison yeah. in Superman. That's how I've always yeah. kind of pictured. And then some people outer dark think of it as spirit prison. Which is the purgatory like right, state. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so I mean it's 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 for the the one thing that's solid about it is that it's for sure for for Lucifer and the third that followed him out of the council of heaven. Yes, for sure. Now beyond that, it's a little that's where it gets a little tricky. And then and then as far as the telestial goes, I believe that's almost equal to the state the earth is in right now. Yeah. So right. yeah. I think that's what makes Mormon doctrine so slippery, and that's why people that are active find it so easy to dismiss the claims of what they would say are apostates or detractors or ex-Mormons and just write it off as anti-Mormon propaganda mm-hmm. because there's always some word game that you can play, always yeah. some obscure territory within the theology that you can retreat into mm-hmm. to say, well, this isn't what we really believe. Yep. You are caricaturing this into some sort of ridiculous thing that's actually completely untrue. And that's that's what is most... Whether whether any of our previous leaders have actually said the same thing or not, it's, yeah. no, it's, that's ridiculous. They were ridiculous. speaking as men. It's, right. a per, yeah. it's a particularly horrible piece of casuistry when you really get right down to it. Yeah, and we'll get into a little bit of that later too, because I mean, it just keeps popping up. I mean, it, it happens with the race relations as well. You know, I mean, from seventy eight back, and 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 well, and even even from seventy eight on. But yeah, uh, and if you're not following along. Don't worry about it. <laughs> this, this is Neither is the stuff. church, <laughs> right? But uh, well, that's—I I think I've mentioned it before. One of my favorite things is to discuss Mormon theology with a couple true believers and get them arguing with each other about yeah. you know the true the true meaning or the true history or the true beliefs of the church. Especially we should do that some night. Salty. Get like the Adam God theory going on yeah. there and just walk, just 
set it back. Yeah, or or even uh, Bruce R. McConkie's first edition of Mormon Doctrine, where it does state definitively yeah. that the Catholic Church is the whore of the earth. And then after the first presidency uh, renounced that and re-edited it for the next release, you can't find that anymore. Yeah. So there, there's a debate there, too. Oh, yeah. Um, I think they are, but... <laughs> I'll think that until they stop raping our kids. Ooh. Every week. Every week. <laughs> that's that's my thing every week. The Catholics rape our kids. I'm gonna fit it in somehow. <laughs> All right, so let's skip ahead a little bit. Um you're talking about being in the MTC now. Um you've been there quite a while, and then uh, in in a paragraph or so later you say, uh by the way, family visits were not allowed. Neither were visits from friends or phone calls. And and I thought that was interesting. I mean, I, I I have enough knowledge to understand why they're doing that, but I'll leave that to you to explain. But what I think is interesting is is just the isolation factor. And I'll leave it Go at ahead. that. There's a lot of people that want to say, well, Mormons are, are a cult, right? And one of the first thing a cult does is yeah. isolate, yeah. right? Um, but they are. Okay, I mean, fair <laughs> enough. I, I, I can't say anything definitive because I've I've looked up definitions and it's super squirrely. I, yeah. I, I don't know exactly how to nail that down, but it's, it's I, more I, isolating the basic training. I think yeah. I think that once you yeah, once you really get to the Mormon Church, and and this is a little bit off topic, so I'll just say it really quick. I think oh, dude, according, we are so tangential here. It's fine. <laughs> I think I think as much as to whatever definition of of cult you want to appropriate to the Mormon Church. It fits every single definition oh, yeah. in some way. Um, and as much as they hate that and they tout their inflated oh, course, yeah. numbers and yep. and say, look at all the service we do, the 1% that, um, that we've donated over the last 30 years of our total, of our total revenue, you're a cult. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the only difference between being defined as a cult or a church is the number of followers you followers yeah, the, you have, the size of the congregation. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, yeah, and I and I mentioned this on on the last show that you know, if if you're born and raised here in Utah and are a member of the LDS faith, you you kind of have this view that you know the Mormon Church is huge because it's so concentrated here. Yeah. You you have this view that oh well, there's Mormons all over the place. It's a really large religion, whatever. And you know it's by not. the by the church's own most <laughs> most aggressive, most promising figures, it's like 30 million worldwide, right? Compared to billions of Muslims or yeah. billions of people of other Christian faiths. It's yeah. It's, actual, it's, it's a tiny, even, tiny, even, the actual even straight up Catholics. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's pales. I mean, it, it, it pales in comparison to, they have about 15 million um, membership membership. Yeah. Um, Pales I, in comparison to the the eighteen million or twenty million that the Seventh Day Adventists have, um, yeah. Which is even ISIS that's a whole other show. Like that whole thing that popped up in Western New York at the same yeah. time as Joseph Smith created yeah. this. I yeah. mean, but and the Jehovah's Witnesses have eight million. Mm -hmm. But when you mm -hmm. get right down to it, when you really get right down to it, and you you check out the the anti Mormon literature or just church census records at the time, um, you see that there's a big discrepancy between. Church membership and active church yes. membership. Oh yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And Huge. that, and we're looking at like three million at the most. Right. And well, active, and active and, members. And the other thing to 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 make a weird analogy, as I am want to do sometimes, to Dan's point about the concentration, it's it's almost like you know you've got you've got a twelve gauge full of of buckshot, right? And Utah is standing right at the edge of the barrel, right? And when hit. that comes out, it just looks absolutely loaded. Right. Oh. But you take 10 or 12 yards back and, and all of a sudden 
it's a little tougher to find one BB here and there, you know what I mean? And then, and you go back even further, you know, so the further you get away from Utah, the more and more spread out, the smaller and smaller the pockets are, you yeah. know, and so the, the numbers seem hugely inflated yeah. when you live, and especially like, well, and I live in Orem, so, yeah. you know, uh, for me, it's, it's, I mean, fortunately, I live on a, on a street of Hispanics, which is nice, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, but even still, I mean, it's, <clears throat> Well, it's like I've, I've said before, growing up in Wisconsin, I actually didn't even hear the word Mormon until I was in high school, where I had a friend like, right, oh, you're right. Mormon? What's that? Yeah. And then I never even heard the term LDS until I came here to Utah, and I was kind of like, LDS? What's that? I, I had no concept of that religion whatsoever. I knew a lot about Judaism, Catholicism, uh, Hinduism, Muslims. I knew about all those, but I had never heard of Mormonism. And I think that's kind of funny, because if you ask any typical mormon here um like teenage wise younger especially they'll have very little knowledge of other religions yeah Mm -hmm. um themselves as well so they'll be like we know what mormons are and then we think there's catholics and that's about it yeah yeah you know you say oh no my my friend is a born-again christian and they'll be like what what's that what does that mean yeah or a a new earth creation they'd be like so is he a catholic and and you kind of just shake your head a little bit (laughs) no so let's move forward a little bit. So you're, you're now you're you're at the point where you're no family visits, no no phone calls. Yeah. You're you're fairly isolated. Um, it's important to stay focused on the Lord's work, as you say. The silly things like family and relationships got, got in the way, especially with most of my family being not being Mormon. Right? Yeah. It simply wouldn't do to have them interfering with the building of God's kingdom. And I thought I thought that statement was interesting as well because. How does a measly little mortal confound the plans of an Omnimax being? I, I mean, I, I don't even believe this, right? right? But I'm saying this doesn't make sense to me at all. So these are people that believe he's Omni across the board. And yet you, Greg, yeah. if you make a mistake and send an email to your mom. <clears throat> screws up the whole plan. Then oh, yeah. he's fucked. God yeah. is fucked, yeah. right? I mean, And to be does- fair, you can, send, you can send emails to your immediate family okay, well, once a week yeah once a week um right, everybody well. else you had to go through snail mail if you wanted to talk to them and you know you had to pay the postage and all okay that, so if you so. email your mom every six days then god's fucked yeah if basically especially <laughs> if they're not more here's the thing is why would a why would an omnipotent deity right. that's why i say Omni-Max. necessitate I mean, like why, why why would he need um any sort of missionary work at all if, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Especially I mean, yeah. the, and it's, the, the and really shitty type that we're doing where you can't even reach half of Africa and China's locked off right. and India's got like, like almost zero missionaries now. Like, yeah. I mean, I mean it's nothing against you. You're obviously a sharp young man. It's just, what are you going to do? What are right. you really going to do to, to stifle his plans? Right. Um, and it really, you make a very good point there because that highlights what the church is really after. And the church is actually after obedience mm-hmm. in oh, yeah. the missionaries. Mm-hmm. They're, they don't care about anything else as long as you're obedient. And you're 10%. Right. Yes. That's yeah. absolutely right. And yep. even in the mission... Yeah, we get into that. That comes too, with the obedience. And even, it does, yeah, absolutely. Even in the mission, we're supposed to pay fast offerings. Right. So off of the tiny <laughs> bit of income that we get that we'll, we paid we'll, to the church in the first place... They're yeah. giving us a fraction of that back. We're giving them a fraction of that back, back for fast offerings for the poor. 
Yeah, and we'll, and we'll you you hit on that a little bit later. Makes we'll, absolutely, we'll, we'll get into sense. a little bit more depth. I mean, I, but just on a side note, um, my son who's thirteen, and but uh, I don't know, but he's being raised with at least with his mom rather intensely, but shows shades of doubt and and um, even even the last time I hung out with him, I I told him you know well there's this and that and he's like that's those are my mom's beliefs those, those aren't mine you know whatever, which is encouraging. Yeah, but uh, he was over at my house for a weekend, and he had a talk coming up, right? And his mom was concerned when I offered to help him to write the talk <laughs> because I couldn't. Possi- I would be concerned. <laughs> well, no, look. All right, yeah. Anyone who is listening to the show thinks that's a hilarious comment, and I understand why. Um, I'm often the hard line on the show. Yeah. No, I just, I just <laughs> but, mean like. <clears throat> Knowing that it's for an LDS church thing, you're obviously not LDS any longer. Like, yeah. Well, I would I would be concerned, like because because it's going to be hard for you to separate out your beliefs from what he needs to well, say or wants to say or should say. Not and, not as I mean, yeah. All right, fair enough. But but still, um, I'm I I I'd like to hope that I'm mature enough to be able to to do that. And, but, but anyway, it doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah. The, the whole point of her objection was I wouldn't be able to have the spirit. Oh, right. Which is, which is kind of odd in itself, but we don't have to dissect that part. Um, but we went ahead with it anyway, you know, tears were jerked, whatever it, it was, it was successful. So, um, but on the way home, taking him home on that Sunday before his thing, you know, he, he was saying, well, you know, my, you know, my mom, this and that or whatever. And I said, I know she doesn't think that I, I'm going to be able to have the spirit to write. And he's like, yeah, exactly. And I'm, and so what I said to him, which is what relates to this is what does that matter to God? <laughs> How can I stop the spirit? I'm one guy, right? He's God, right? What's the problem? Because God if, already knows if he wants deep. his message to get across. Fucking go through whoever. Like, why does it matter that I don't believe? That because doesn't. Yeah. It's, Heavenly it's a Father s- loves his children. Stupidest idea. And he loves his children, and he wants us to return <laughs> yeah. to him. So, but if you're that, not an obedient child, that you sound like my grandmother. Get no right. dessert. I just know that your heavenly Father loves you so much, and he wants you to believe in him so much, and he he loves you and just cherishes oh you and. <laughs> Wishes that you'd come back to church, and and you know he knows that you know it's true, really. But I love that super serious prayer voice they get uh, too. It's like, our dear heavenly Father, mm-hmm. <laughs> thank thee for this day. Like that, using yeah. thee and thine and thou. And yeah. just like, I've always wondered, like the seventeenth century English. Yeah. yeah. What does God not understand modern English? But like, the funny thing is, I that's know. actually that's actually the the con- Like that's not the um the polite way to say you. Back in the day, yeah. Back in the day, you was the polite form, not thou. Yeah. Well, and Joseph Smith yep. was a ragamuffin, man. He didn't, he didn't know <laughs> a shit. Ragamuffin. Yeah. <laughs> he was a fucking moron. Well, if you if you if you check out like the first vision account and the temple or, ordinances or David then, Fitzgerald's breakdown of the of the first edition, the first release of the Book of Mormon, yeah, it was horribly well, written. Everything about that screams straight up. Um, what nineteenth century? Nineteenth century Pentecostal. Everything yeah. screams nineteenth century Pentecostal. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, it was the whole. It was the entire movement that was happening happening in Western New York yeah. during the early eighteen hundreds, with the Seventh Day Adventists came out of as well. Yeah. And there was and there was dozens of others that were less successful and 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 or extinct now. But 
but the two that came out most prominently are Seventh and, and Mormons. Yeah. And, and yeah. Joseph Smith was a fucking idiot. He was a complete moron. I think he was a genius. Well, well he, yes. Okay. So socially, he was. Yeah. He. I but think literarily, I think he, he was. He's a, he's a good money maker. I'm, I'm going to lose friends on Facebook for this. But, um, I <laughs> They're think, not listening. I, think, I promise. I, it's, it's gotten to that point where it's like anybody that was going to unfriend me has already done so. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I, um, I, I agree. I think, I'll let you speak though. Yeah. No, I think that. Um, now I can't even remember what we were talking about. Joseph Smith's a genius. Yeah, I think he. If you look at him, he gives the textbook markers of, of, of being a sociopath. Yeah, or a psychopath. Yeah, of some sort. Like mm-hmm. he just doesn't show when you. Like, come on, yeah. no reasonable person would would bang their maid. Oh, he was and a, hide it from your wife. He was a huge egomaniac. Okay, so a reasonable person may do that, and that, that may happen did. a lot, but not to the extent like. And now I'm going to take. 39 more wives. Yeah. You know? like, and then I'm going to say that God says this is the way you have to behave. And yeah. if you don't behave, Emma, this is in scripture. This is canonized. Right. If you don't behave, then a flaming, an angel with a flaming sword will strike you down. Will, will, will end us. Yeah. He will end us. Yeah. He, he may have also been schizophrenic. I mean, I, I, he was, he was bizarre. I, I think there was I, a, I, a, a slew of, of problems. There. I, I don't think Brigham Young was any less sociopathic. <clears throat> I think that's why they got along. Yeah. Uh, he was, he was, but anyway, well, well, I mean, so, that's, and, it's, it's the true meaning of a God mentality. Yeah. Well, in pre-podcast, and I think it might have even been before you got here, Greg, we were talking about, um, you know, I was saying how bright you were, and, and I was excited to have you on the show and everything, and then I said, you know, and and, he, and Matt said, well, yeah, I read both articles. They're very well written. He's very well spoken. And mm-hmm. I said, well, yeah, absolutely. I said... Ryan said that, too. Yeah. Thank you. I, Thank I said, you, you know, it, it's great. I said, Greg is still young enough and has left the church recently enough that he still has a bunch of... Uh, LDS friends on Facebook. So mm-hmm. when he makes a post for something, he gets a bunch of comments from most of the LDS yes. LDS faithful. And you know, I I did initially when I came out and stuff, but none of my you know I'm still friends with a lot of my I'm still Facebook friends with a lot of my family members and LDS friends, but they don't bother commenting anymore. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> every time. But but yeah. it's but it's you know it's kind of refreshing and and a little bit of a walk down memory lane whenever i see you post something and a lot of your yeah. lds friends will chime in and <laughs> and you handle them all really diplomatically really well, well very you. kindly um very generously but still letting them know that no that's either you know they're they're either not reading what you've written or they're you know they're they're not listening to you or they don't usually it, it has something to do with them committing an uh, extremely large number of logical fallacies yeah. mm-hmm. that need to be corrected. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's number one. Second, what I've learned is actually kind of fun. Whenever I post something, you know, when you watch the friend count drop 30, 50 people, <laughs> but then the people chime in the, the defenders of the faith. And I just Christ ask soldiers. them to explain the metaphysics of God for me, because I think that's a knockdown argument. Um, mm-hmm. and, this mm-hmm. is tangent, you know, but did this the whole thing's a tangent. Yeah. So, so I think that that's my favorite thing to do now is can you explain the metaphysics of God? I've studied Descartes, Leibniz, Locke, Spinoza, Hume. Mm-hmm. Um, they all give very brilliant accounts, whether you like them or not, believe mm-hmm. them or not, agree with them or not. At least they're giving an account of the metaphysics of God. The problem with the Mormon God, Christian God. A lot, but Mormon God, especially, I like the different the, the delineation they're, they're, there. Yeah, they're different gods. Yeah, uh-huh. the Mormon God, especially, is that it's so philosophically infantile. There is absolutely n- nothing in 
the metaphysics of the Mormon God that could make him possible to exist. In fact, the Mormon God, from a philosophical perspective, is a logical impossibility. Mm -hmm. It's a philosophical impossibility. It's a metaphysical impossibility. And you kind of see that. I feel like the leaders of the church knew this because when they made that temple um, video, they, they say very clearly about the um, philosophies of men mingled with scripture. Yeah. And well, yeah. they try to, they try to dismiss that like all Mormon apologists would. That's already been addressed. And, <laughs> um, and without actually engaging the arguments at all, these are philosophies of men mingled with scripture, which kind of makes me wonder a little more deeply. So the Adam God theory or blood atonement were these philosophies of man mingled with scripture. Yeah. Well, and so when you say that the the Mormon God is is metaphysically and and philosophically unsound or or illogical, what, impossible. Yeah. Impossible, what what yeah. exactly do you mean by that? Okay. So if we want to if we want to um, just sort of unpack this a little bit here, what? you've been watching Harris. <laughs> <laughs> I love Sam Harris. I think I, I, actually, I like let me, Sam let me pause for just a moment before we delve into this. Yeah. Because I think I think at this point it's been illustrated sufficiently enough that that we've got a young bright in, incredibly uh, uh awesome guy with a lot of potential here so why don't you go ahead and plug your blog at this point oh thank you oh yeah before I forget. um my blog is greglio g r e g l e o greglio dot weebly w e e b l y dot com greglio dot weebly dot com okay so everybody go check that out um if if he writes as as i know as beautifully as he speaks then then it'll be it'll be a pleasure to to read um go ahead and continue now that i've i've knocked you off your train of thought <laughs> well, <thank> you. <laughs> well I we're unpacking it. i appreciate it like, yeah we're, the, we're, um, we're in the middle of unpacking the yeah, impossibility of the I, mormon god i can't wait to see the views boost from five to hopefully 15 that's my, that's my next that's my goal um so the metaphysics of God. So this the, work with me on for a second here. What is the essence of the Mormon God? What are his qualities and attributes? Well, I would say omnimax right off the front. Right, okay. right, right about, um, omnipotent, omniscient. Um, um, uh, what's the other one? Omni- That's not coming to me. Omniscient. Omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent. So everything yeah. is possible because of the Mormon God. Everything yes. is possible because of him. Yep. So everything in in essence is an essence of the Mormon God, but is the Mormon God? Did he come from um, rationalistic or logical or, or supernatural causes, or did he come from natural causes? Natural causes, actually, he's according to of that. LDS doctrine, right? I mean, he's the 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 Mormon God, according oh, to yes. LDS, yeah, yeah, according yeah. to LDS uh, scripture and and theology, is not the first God. He's not the prime mover. He's right. he's born of a lineage of other gods, right? Yeah. He he. Was born a man and became a god. Basically, he's, he yep. he's an exalted man. Yes. So, let's let's retrack here. The creator of everything that exists naturally came from natural causes. Okay. Did he cause himself? Well, at least with the Christian God, with the Triune God, the Trinitarian God, we can actually take that and we can say we can remove this God from space and time. Yes, it's completely intellectually dishonest to do so, mm-hmm. but for the sake of the, an yeah. argument. We can do that. The Mormon God, you can't. Right, right. So you're stuck with an infinite regress with a yep. and a God right, who's right in, away. Yeah, and a God whose entire essence is contradictory to himself. 
And this doesn't even get into what humans' essences are. What are we? What are we made of? What are the metaphysics of the soul? Are souls part of us? Are we dualist? Is our mind and our body separate in some meaningful way? We're all is, spirit babies just I, waiting. I, yeah, yeah, I would, say, I would say dualism is a is an integral part of Mormonism. So yeah. is God's mind the same way, or does God have a different structure? Is God's mind and body separate from each other? Well, the distinction they would draw at this point, I believe, is that uh, God is a, is a body of flesh and bone and humans are a body of flesh and blood or whatever that's the word. And most chapel Mormons would just go, what are you talking about? See, I'm, I, but I'm just, I'm just saying it, that's the only thing. That's the only possible thing I could and, come up right. with at this point, which is not even an argument, but I'm just, I'm playing devil's advocate here. Exactly but. what the, the Mormon apologists or the defenders of the faith have to do. They have to resolve. They have to, to they have to retreat to parsing words and playing word games mm-hmm. and doing these things, saying, saying cones essentially um, where it sounds really, really good. But then when you get into it just a little bit below the surface, there's, it all absolute, falls apart there's really, absolutely really easily, no yeah. substance to it whatsoever. Um, right, case in point, Dan Peterson. Oh, <laughs> that guy's the worst. I hate that guy. Fuck that guy in particular. <laughs> Doesn't he, isn't he, um, he's not even a professional, is he? Uh, I don't he's, believe he is. I think he's just he's uh, a, a popular of, apologist. Yeah, and he's, he's, not, studies, he's right? not officially claimed by the LDS Church. I think as, as like one of their. Well, of course like, not. He works for us. He's this a, is, I this is our like, guy. Yeah, I thought he was like a BYU professor of Islam. He's is he? or Arabic or something, something that had to do with the Middle East. Not at all to do with anything church history, right? Or because because when he when he goes up against Tom Murphy, he gets schooled. Yeah. Well. Well, that's kind of what happens when you're when ad hominem is your only. <laughs> Listen, all of this has been addressed. His argument is awful because he's a detractor. Now, remember, detractors aren't able to have the spirit of the Lord with them. Therefore, correct. Therefore, they are. They don't know what they're. Therefore, their this, arguments are incorrect, the, and they're unable to have the power of discernment as us. Yeah, because they're they they are using the philosophies of men mingled with scripture. Exactly, and see these things we can. You can throw these little these little literary, literary diatribes out there all the time that you want, and it's it's not going to to the normal average person. You're going to they're going to think this is a really this is a really good debate. This is really well spoken by right, both right, sides. Right. But to anybody with half a brain that's actually studied basic like a philosophy one hundred and one class at a community college is going no. to sit there and be like, "This is ridiculous." There is absolutely no way, unless they're extremely susceptible to brainwashing of some sort. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody who's yeah. a true believer is just going to look at what's on the surface. They're not going, they're not going to question anything. They're not going to dig yeah. below the surface. They're not going to, they're not going to wonder about anything at all that right. he's saying. They're just going to suck it up and regurgitate exactly. it. And, yeah. Their confirmation bias. It's, it's kind of like when you listen to the Democrats <clears throat> and Republicans on stage, right? Um, so for example, I happen to be very liberal, but whatever. Um, my own confirmation bias is when I'm listening to a presidential debate, I like to listen to the more liberal one. I just automatically find myself agreeing with him more. Even if he's saying something that I disagree with at the base level, it's just because it's him. He represents me. Yeah. And so, and then when the other guy comes up, he could say the most sensible things. I mean, even Charles Crothammer can say some extremely sensible, economically stable things. And because of the confirmation bias that I have, I sort of dismiss that offhand. Mormons have developed such a strong confirmation bias that 
they do this to an extreme level. Anything, no matter how ridiculous that's said in general, I can't attribute this to all Mormons, but anything that's said um, by one of their apologists or definitely an apostle, general authority of some sort, they take that and then everything is shut out. It doesn't matter how well-worded or well-spoken or well-reasoned you are, they don't care. And so even if I bring up the metaphysics of, so the metaphysics of God, humans are dualist in this, in, in this fake world that you've created for us. Humans are dualists and God's not a dualist, which means that, that, that God has somehow different metaphysics than man, but God's an exalted man. Now we have to explain metaphysically how man became God and what that process is like. And there is no explanation. Yeah. This is another one of those literally slippery things that Mormons can do. We don't know. We don't have to know. It's not um, pertinent to our salvation, and therefore we'll figure it out in the next life or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, it's the whole, you know, you're talking about, you know, once the once anybody in the church leadership says something, it, it's, you know, it becomes this this exalted, this exalted perfect thing that somebody could have said, and the first thing that always springs to my mind, especially lately or within the past few years, is is the whole uh, doubt. You know, doubt your doubts before you doubt your faith. Like, well, oh. well, what if <laughs> that? That, I mean, that, that, that was that written. statement in itself is like that's so fucking stupid. I like, heard that yesterday. Did you? <laughs> yeah, I was like, what? <laughs> that was written on a chalkboard at Danielle's parents' house. <laughs> really? Yep. Ah. In their kitchen. Ah. Yeah, well, that was the first time I saw that, and I was like, okay, well, I've heard doubt so, your several people you doubt say. Your faith. Like, how does that even work? How does that even work on any kind of level? Like, yeah, I don't know. Okay, I, I have doubts in my faith, but then I should doubt that I'm doubting. Well, then I'm yeah. still doubting, so how right. does that fucking work? Right, right. <laughs> well, isn't that the point of missionary work in the first place? Get everybody else to doubt their faith and believe ours instead? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, Doubt your doubts, but nobody else can do that. <laughs> Everybody else has to doubt their faith until you become Mormon, and then doubt your doubts. Yeah. Well, speaking of missionary work, let's jump back into this a little bit. I For don't sure. think we're totally out of the MTC here, but uh, <laughs> so you have no. <laughs> we, we we've got on a knowledge a level show. on a knowledge level we've gone way past the MTC <laughs> what we learned. So right. So so there's there's not going to. I mean. Spoiler well, spoiler alert. Like right, we know how this ends yeah. now. Um well that's why you're on the show. But <laughs> and uh, that's it everybody. Um thank you for listening. For tuning in. Yeah. Uh all right, so no contact, right? Basically I think is where we left off. Right. Phone calls. Yeah. Email once a week. Um say so it was actually in the MTC though where you started to lose your faith though, wasn't it? I had my first doubt. Your first doubt, right. Yes. Okay, so so at this point you're saying my extended family, my birth family, the families of my best friends, none of them would get to be united for eternity. Oh no, sorry, that's skipping ahead. That's right. skipping way ahead. That is part of my first doubt. Yeah. Okay, let's but let's jump to that. You were you were talking. I I actually have some notes up here. I skipped. Sorry. So, uh, um, you were talking about reading Doctrine and Covenants section one thirty two. Yeah, very popular. Yeah, it is very popular. Sure. Um, how well do you know that? I know it all right. <laughs> Do you want to paraphrase it? I mean, I could I could read it, but yeah, no. What I I'll, I'll paraphrase it. So, Doctrine and Covenants section one thirty two is one of the longest scriptures in the Doctrine and Covenants, and it's it's single one, verses, right? Yeah, and it's one of the it's one of the scriptures that um, 
is at the very end because of Joseph Smith and um this was basically him wrapping things up. And so he really wanted to like, like I've been up all night. Yeah, he really sick he, of writing. And he was he really <laughs> this was it's kind of like Jim Jones. Um at the very beginning he would give normal sermons like like a normal person. But after he made Jonestown, he would start giving longer and crazier and more winded sermons in the middle of the night to people. Doctrine and Covenants reads very similarly to that. Um, so section 132 is revelation given to Joseph Smith um, in, in Nauvoo. This is when the saints were in Illinois. Given to him through what means? Um, prayer, uh-huh. fasting and prayer. I would, I, would, I would attribute it to that. Nothing to do with any sort of hallucinogenic drugs or Aww. was it an alcohol? angel with a flaming sword or <laughs> yeah, I'm not I'm not sure he that ever comes fasted later. either. <laughs> well, he may may have fasted from from booze for yeah not intentionally a, a day or so. Yeah. He was, okay. Anyways, so this is about the new and everlasting covenant. So for everybody that's not a Latter Day Saint, um, everybody, hello. Um, <laughs> the, the new and everlasting covenant covenant is plural marriage, polygamy. Um, and yep. this section's about polygamy, um, but it's also about how you can be with your family together forever. And when it's shortened, it's just referred to as the covenant. Yeah. Uh, for anybody who watches Big Love or had had watched that in the past, they always talk about the covenant or the principle. Uh, and when they say the covenant or the principle, they're referring specifically to uh, polygamy. Yes. And it should be noted that Mormons still believe in that doctrine. They don't practice it on yep. earth, but that has nothing to say that they won't practice it in heaven. Right, or that they don't believe that it will be practiced. And they and and here's another fun one to get two Mormons in a room about. Does God have multiple wives? Yes. Yep. No. What? I just get. I, see, this is this is what we can do. We can play this all yep. the whole time. No, and I've I've um, said this on the show yeah. before, but but one of one of my used to be friends had issues sexually with his wife yep. and would tell me all about it but was okay with it because he knew that he would find a sexually pleasing partner once they, once they died. And preferably freshmen in high school aged. Could be. Helen Could be. Mark yeah. style. There was, there was, there was already <laughs> right. quite an age difference between the two, but yeah. Yeah. No, but that's, that, but that's a disturbing that's thought, sort of a thought that, that they're holding in the back of their minds because of, Joseph Smith's creepy ideas. Well, and and there's part of the scripture that says something about um, that you will not be able to attain uh, the celestial kingdom unless you are a practitioner of the principle. The the highest degree. Which is exactly why the the shoot-offs of the mainstream LDS church still practice. Many of them still practice polygamy. What's interesting is that Mormons practice this even in practice. It's not just in theory. Because a man can get... Um, um, yeah. sealed yes. in a temple, temple married for everybody that doesn't understand that wording. They can get sealed to as many women as he wants, but a woman can only get married, um, sealed to one man. Right. Yep. Yeah. And I've mentioned before on the, on the podcast that my, my true believing aunt, when she got divorced from her first husband, that was her largest concern through the whole thing, through his, you know, really terrible behavior, the way he treated her, everything. Her greatest concern was that in the afterlife, if she couldn't be unsealed to him, that he would be able to call her to him. Yes, and the only way that people sort of get out of this, the only way that gives them any sort of solace, which is disgusting to me, is that God is perfectly just and he'll make everything right Mm -hmm. in the end. Yeah. But according to the doctrine, it's very clear what's going to happen to you. Unless you got um, a temple divorce— 
we'll just use that wording, unless you got uh, the the annulment of that ceiling, then you're you're going to be with that guy. Well, and this mm-hmm. get this gets slippery again yeah. because now we're talking about definitions yet again, right? Where God is all just. And all merciful. And if any apologists listen to us talk about this, they'll tr- they'll pick out what we're saying right now, and they'll be like, "Well, here, this is this is no, that's incorrect." Well, and so, and uh, sure, and, and, it, and that's it kills just how me it's so slippery. And it kills me whenever I hear, especially. And this was one of the first things that that really got me to not go to church anymore, not or not believe, and and or, or at least start questioning was that women. <clears throat> Women are not treated as equals in the LDS Church, regardless of what any no. female member of the LDS Church will tell you. They yep. are not equals. That's true. Yep. And the easiest and the easiest thing that I can always point to to show how that's not the case is that a woman cannot get into the celestial kingdom without a man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she mm-hmm. cannot go to the celestial kingdom unless her temple married, temple sealed husband calls her to the celestial kingdom. She yep. can't get there by herself and then call her husband. She can only get there if her husband is worthy enough to obtain the celestial yep. kingdom and then chooses to call her. I, I would say it's easier than that. I mean, what's happened recently publicly by the, by the, the, the main with, uh, Kate Kelly. Yeah. With Kate Kelly. Yeah. What, yeah. what happened to her when she wanted priesthood? Yeah. Well, that's not how it works. We never, yeah. we, never do, we never change doctrine because of social pressure. Yeah. Never. No. Right. Right. <laughs> um, Outside of 78, but you're absolutely right, Dan. That's a very good point. Um, it's easier for, children under the age of eight to reach the celestial kingdom than it is for women. Yeah. And that's, that's right, right, right. very interesting. Male children. Sing, single women. Yeah. No, even, even female women under the age oh, of eight. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. If, yeah. if they die before they're able to be baptized into the LDS church, they're basically, they're given a golden ticket. And, oh, okay. and, and everybody that's listening to this right now, a bit of research on your part, if you want a little bit of extra fun on what happens to those children, look up the King Follett sermon online and Joseph Smith's King Follett sermon. And it'll tell you that the babies sit enthroned in their in their baby um bodies and they rule <laughs> endlessly, endless amounts of babies on thrones in the celestial kingdom, ruling over their universe. And um maybe Sounds maybe, like a sweet video game. Yeah, maybe Joseph was speaking as a man. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> this is also when he said that the German translation of the Bible was the best translation, and aren't, aren't that he spoke German and Latin and, and English, and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just basically like at some guy's funeral, um, he was just like, "Look how great I am! I'm so yeah. fucking cool, guys! Check this out! <laughs> and I can do this and that!" And oh yeah, everybody, I speak German. Yeah, no, you don't. Um, I have a 36 inch vertical. <laughs> <laughs> I, pl- I played. I played starting quarterback for my high school football team, and I speak German. West Palmyra State. Yeah. <laughs> my carriage is six horsepower. Home, home of the Lamanites. Um, <laughs> nice. Yeah, but 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 what you were saying was the the part that was really nerve wracking for my family was it goes into how you can be with your family. Now, in order to be with your family, in the celestial kingdom and exaltation, which is the highest level of the celestial kingdom. All right. Which let is me, let me Mormon pause heaven. you. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Cause I think, uh, you're jumping ahead just a little bit. So let me, let me just, let me just, okay. I think we've caught up here, but so a- after you read that section, right about polygamy and everything, we just covered all that stuff with tangents and everything. <laughs> then, then you went on to say, but I did believe in the Mormon scriptures. I believed in all of them. 
Yes. And I couldn't comprehend what I was reading. My extended family, my birth family, my families of my best, the families of my best friends, none of them would get to be united in e- I- uh, for eternity in heaven. Right. I recall marking these pages up quite heavily, <clears throat> excuse me, and asking my leaders about the meaning of the verses. Perhaps I had simply misunderstood. <laughs> right. So it's very careful. This is very important that it doesn't just talk about polygamy. It talks about how people get into exaltation, which is the highest level of the celestial kingdom, which for all the people that haven't been raised in the Mormon church is Mormon heaven. Um, you have to be a Mormon, a worthy Mormon, married to a worthy Mormon in a Mormon temple. By a Mormon. By a Mormon in order to get there. Now, so if, you, if you're not Mormon, if your spouse isn't a Mormon, if you're not near a temple of any sort, um, for all of those poor people that live in you know, northern Africa, um, they're fucked. You are, yep. yeah, that's it. You can't. But you that's can't why it's so important that we take your tithing money and build temples all yeah. over everywhere. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's why you have to give that 10%. And there is a fail safe. If you die and you don't get these ordinances, we promise we'll do them for you. After you're oh. dead, <laughs> right? So, so <laughs> you, you went on to ask about Holocaust. the yeah the issues you were having, the doubts you might have been having, yeah, hoping that maybe you misunderstood the scriptures. And what happened was, no, you hadn't. Right? It was clear as day. Your greatest fears were confirmed. And then, as you say, to add insult to injury, they chastised me and wrote on my record that my quote political views regarding gay marriage and abortion were disgraceful. Yeah. I thought I thought that was is we were we were talking about the fuzzy stance that the Mormon Church takes at least publicly on these yes. kinds of things, and I thought that was particularly interesting because I got now a lot of trouble. Yeah, now we're talking about behind closed doors, and liberalism is disgraceful. Yes. Well, where where did this ever come up in conversation where they knew about your stances? Right. So this is this is something that we should probably talk about very quickly. Uh, a few um, true-believing Mormons that read that gave me a little bit of of of, of um, rebuttal against this as well. They they sure. were like, "No, they don't. They don't keep records on you. They don't do that. They absolutely do." And yeah, at the end yeah, of your of mission, they, they give you all of the records that they've been holding up on you. At the end of the mission, I received a Manila two Manila folders filled with documents, um, letters. All of the letters that the mission president had ever written to me, everything that I ever wrote back to him, was all in this. There, you, they, you do have a file, and they do write stuff on it. Um, it's very, very important that people understand this. Um, my um, branch president, my local ecclesiastical leader in the MTC, was a huge Romney fan, and he didn't, he didn't make yeah, of course, two bones about it. And this, I was in the MTC during the campaign, during the election. Um, I was out, I was out just like after the election was finished. Okay. Um, in two thousand, yeah, the Romney Obama election, and he was very, very, you know, we have one of our own. We have, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I very casually said to my to my district, the other people in the classroom, that I didn't agree with that. After he'd left, I didn't agree with that. And word traveled very quickly. Yeah, of course. To other other districts that were in our zone. So there's districts in their zones. Zones are just a bunch of districts um, in our zone, and we all happened to room in the same floor in the same building. And word traveled fast, and they were, they were asking me about it, like, "Well, what's your stance on on like, the gays?" And I was like, 
what the gays like, okay. Um, right. I was like, my mom phrasing is a, my, I was like, my, my birth mother is a, is a, is a lesbian and she's not a bad person. She's been there ever since my birth, like visited me every couple years, um, just to see how I'm doing. And there is nothing wrong with that. And they're like, what about abortion? And I must say that I'm a, well, I'm, a, a- I'm a utilitarian, um, ethically. And so my views on abortion have have sort of shifted over the over the years, but mostly I'm still like a I'm a pro choice type of guy, mm-hmm. and obviously there are some caveats to that. But for yeah. the most part, pro choice. And I said that, and I said that in front of my zone leader, who was just another missionary that had happened to be there like three weeks longer than me. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> so I was like I was there for like five weeks and he was there for eight weeks. He thought he was the shit. You know, I thought I was pretty cool at that point because oh, I've been in the MCC for five weeks, motherfucker. <laughs> so um I got this shit on lock. Yeah. And so word traveled up. I had to have a meeting with my zone leaders and then my branch president and he yelled at me and they yelled at me. Because, <clears throat> like, there actual are, yelling, like, yes, hey, like you didn't fall well, in line like, with their political Well, it stance. wasn't like shouting, but it was there was definitely raised tone. <laughs> there, was a, there was a tone, yeah, very um, upset, and it was just like you, you wake up late, and what is this that I'm hearing about you and and these this abortion you stuff? Hate Mitt Romney uh, and yeah, all. like <laughs> abortion and and gay marriage. Don't you know that the Lord has has set apart man and woman to be for each other. Uh, they were very adamant about this. Wow. And I was like, and I, this was the one I was afraid that I was going to kicked out of going to get out of the MTC for this because I straight up said, this is not something that I'm negotiating about. Yeah. yeah. And I got up and I, I left, I left the room mm. and then that was, that was a little, that was a bit of a no, no, you yeah, don't sure. do that. He yeah, can't sure. choose his own morals. <laughs> and I'm, I'm very, and you will listen to me until I'm done talking to you. Damn right, it. Right. Yeah. And I, I, everything that I said, cause we had to, every week we had to bear our testimony for the branch president, the ecclesiastical leader, um, basically proclaiming our faith, um, at yeah. the, um, every week. And he, um, after that moment, he would always stop me and correct me and tell me everything that I had said wrong about my testimony. Really? Wow. But isn't I, I it said, your testimony? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah this, is, this is what... This is, this, really is, motherfucker. this is my testimony. This is literally one thing that happened to me, and everybody in the room was shocked. Wow. Um, I stood up, and I was like, it's amazing to me that God would be willing to send his own son to hell, condemn his son to hell so that we could have free will. And he said to me, he's like, that's absolutely incorrect. He didn't send anybody anywhere. Satan rebelled, and you should read the scriptures more. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. And in front of everybody, and he just stared at me, and he was like, and you need to, you need to fix your tie. And oh, he, was, he, was, he, was a, he was a dick. Right? I hated that guy. Um, I can imagine. Let's go egg his Well, house. he's got he's to do every little <laughs> thing he can to possibly tear you down. And in case, you know, you, you, well, you he start. He walked out of the room on me. Yeah. Like, now you start infecting the other missionaries right. there at the MTC. Like the family proclamation of the world is a thing. It's, <sighs> it's, it's as close to doctrine as you're going to find. And if you believe differently politically, then we can't have that. I get right. so fucking mad whenever I see that anywhere. Yeah. The, yeah. the proclamation to a family. Oh, they yeah. had it at Costco and I just, 
I almost lost my goddamn mind there in the Costco. <laughs> some some fucking guy selling frames and and pictures of white Mormon Jesus and all this different stuff. And right in the middle, surrounded by all these other pictures of Jesus and everything, and the temples all around was yeah. was a proclamation to the family. And and Tra- yeah. Tracy and I were in Costco, and she's like, "Oh, these frames are nice. You know, we can take out whatever stupid fucking pictures in here and just use the frame. You know, it's a decent price, whatever." I'm like. Fuck that. Look at yeah, what's right yeah. there in the middle of goddamn yeah. everything. Proclamation of the family. Fuck those people. And I just yeah. walked away and the guy was, he looked like he worst. wanted to poop his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> poop his mouth? That's right. He said poop his mouth. Poop his mouth. Poop himself. Uh, <laughs> it, 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 he, he clenched up so hard that it, it went, <laughs> yeah, shot yeah. up his body. Oh, you don't want to poop your mouth. <laughs> no. Also, uh, on drugs, man. Come on. I just want to, I just want to tell Greg, uh, I appreciate you. Support me. <laughs> you know, uh, you know Mitt, Mitt, Mitt was, uh, he was on his way out already. You know, you, know, you, and, you and I, uh, we stand for, for progressive leadership in you this know, country. Here's the thing, is that you and I can stand together and find some people that we can really use because they really need us. I, I, I appreciate that. Yep. Uh, we, we can do it. It's everything that they need. And... <laughs> Together, it's change. <laughs> like, who am I? It's change we need. It's hope. It's, it's hope. hope. It's hope that we need <laughs> in our lives. And so, you just can't wait for the sentence to end. <laughs> Thomas S. Monson, everybody. Yeah. Oh, oh God. Nice. That guy's painful. Nice. I never actually heard him talk. I've just read the little blurbs. Like of what he had said, and I'm like, he's a senile. Like, what person. the fuck you say? My son and his friend like to watch General Conference just to laugh at it. Uh, I want to hear. I can't, I can't do it. <laughs> I know it's, it's their thing. Like they get together, and then they'll they'll post a bunch of memes after afterward. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's kind of funny. It's kind of like the Mormons think they have the most prestigious choir in the world just because they have the largest organ in the world. Yeah, phrasing. <laughs> when 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 hey, Greg, when Greg was telling that whole come and story, check this out. got the largest uh, organ, organ in the world. Yeah, <laughs> nice. baby, come here and sing. It's gonna make you sing. <laughs> I just kept picturing Ryan bearing his testimony the whole time, and I was just like, "Are you fucking hilarious?" It, see Ryan do that. <laughs> it, 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 you know that Mormon testimony thing is hilarious because you can manipulate anybody with that. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I know. That the church is true. I know. It's true. Yeah, exactly. That the Book of Mormon is the word of God. And that Joseph Smith translated by the divine power of Jesus Christ. And I promise you that if you follow his teachings and his commandments, that you will receive blessings Mm -hmm. for your life. Mm -hmm. Mine would probably be more like, I know this church is true. Because that whiskey I had was goddamn fucking awesome. It was like manna from the fucking gods. If you tell me there ain't no God out there, I'm telling you that whiskey was fucking straight from heaven. Brother, well. you know that you know that whiskey is against the word of wisdom. Fuck it. <laughs> well, it's good. That, even even when I was an active member, yeah. the, the thing about testimony meeting, what used to drive me nuts was the little kids. Like, and, oh. and, the, and the parents would whisper in their ear and they'd be like, I know the church is true. I'm like, you don't fucking know that. Yeah. I know Joseph Smith was a true prophet. No, you don't. Yeah. I love my mom yeah. and dad. All right. Fair enough. Yeah. You well, know, I, I don't know. Right. But it's worse. just the same thing like, every time. And, and, and yeah, they, they would repeat the exact yeah. same. Yeah. And, and it's whatever their parents was. I know yeah. the church it was just is like, true. I love my mom and dad and my brothers and sisters in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Yeah. Well, you got that. Then you also have 
which I think is slightly worse than that, the evangelical churches where the kids writhe on the ground saying they're speaking in tongues and they're oh, being yeah. encouraged. The, I'm like, the, that's... Like that Jesus camp on Oh, Netflix. yeah, that's horrible. Oh, yeah. oh, scary. It's horrible. I can't get through that. They're I crying. still haven't finished that show. It's horrible. Um, It's child abuse. Yeah, I, I mean, absolutely. That You can finish the show knowing this. That camp got shut down. Good. Did it? Oh, yeah. Good. Good. I think it was like three years after that, uh, that aired, uh, they came in and shut the place down. That's good. Because it is child abuse. Yeah. I, I when it, but kind of going off what you were saying there, I was um, when they when they would say those things like I know the church is true, I know that Joseph Smith was a prophet. I would I would kind of in my mind, in the back of my mind, I would go, how? Sure. Why? Yeah. How do you know these things? Because, are true? I mean, my mommy told me in my knowledge ears. is knowing. That's such a strong, strong statement you're yeah. making. That's pretty definitive. I mean, I know the church is true. Oh, okay. It's like, How? do you know it in the way yeah. that you're standing on that pulpit right now? Or do right. you know in the way that you know Santa Claus is real? Exactly. And that's and that's what it is. When when religious people say no, what they mean is I really, really want to believe this. Yeah. I really, really believe it. I Maybe mean, not even yeah. want to. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they, they do. The of course they do want to. Yeah. But but I think what they mean by no is I really, really believe it. I, I'm, I'm convinced that they don't do that for themselves. Um, they do it for everybody else around them. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To prop up each other or sure. to convince other people. Sure. Yeah, well, it's, it is totally propaganda. Oh, yeah. That kid has no fucking idea. No. And they don't care. Yet, even though they say they yeah. have... They just get a Snickers bar after they're shit. done, you know? They have the utmost belief in this religion, yet they can't prove it, and it's on the duty of the atheist to say, I can prove it's not. The proving a negative, shifting yeah. a well, negative. Yeah, well... You're saying that's what their position is? Well, yeah, it's saying, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. well, you can't, yeah, well, you can't, well, you can't prove, prove God doesn't prove, prove he exist. Doesn't yeah. exist. That, that, that's right. the core argument, yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, I ask, I, I ask yeah. ye, um, what ye, what evidence do ye have that Jesus cometh not? Yeah, uh, core horror for everybody have is, none, a, is Except a, it beeth your word only. And here is a sign that I shall show with ye, and then he strikes him again on the ground. Right, he, it, Korah horror was a, was a fictional Book of Mormon villain. Yeah. Um, was that Zarahemla? Yeah, and he was against Allah. Al- Alma. Allah. He was against Allah. Um, no, he was against Alma. Alma. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, he's kind of he's kind of the doubting Thomas of the Mormon fan fiction world. More so, though, he because, yeah, because he, yeah, he's a true villain yeah. in, in the Book of Mormon. And doubting Thomas was at least a disciple for a time. I remember highlighting that those verses, the Korahor verses in the MTC, because I was like, how do we deal with atheists? How do we deal with atheists? I never even put that together. It's fascinating. And I looked through the, the, the entire thing, and I was like, I read it. I read it cover to cover over and over again. And I was like, Korhor. Korhor is the only thing. And I was, and even, huh. even as a brainwashed missionary, I knew yeah, that it was yeah. super weak. I knew that it was like, I, oh, I, yeah, I would, what, would, what, what do you have that he doesn't come? I, I, would, I yeah. would dispute the whole brainwashed part for you, for sure. Well, I, I, I mean, but you were well, you were certainly devoted to what you were doing. Of course, I, I would I, I say that, that I was but. pretty pretty damn brainwashed when I was out in the field. Okay, um, I, I believed it a hundred percent from oh, the okay. moment that I stepped out there to the moment I came back. Well, well you, you got a brainwashed person into even believing it in the first place, and and it wasn't. I, I got a volley <laughs> of objections enough. from yeah. Catholics because the Philippines is yes, super yeah, Catholic. I got a volley of objections from Muslims, and right. for me, it wasn't even a matter. At that point, it had gotten so deep in inside my system that it was. I just dismissed those outright. I was like, "Well, these are all interesting things to say." Uh-huh. Um, I even taught a couple atheists. These are all interesting things to say, but it's not the truth. 
I was going to ask you about that atheist in in Philippines. You, you found a few. There were like two. Yeah. I found. Okay. <laughs> that's that's the two listeners we have from the Philippines. I guess <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Yeah, and and we got one of them to start coming to church, but Actually, I don't think you know he what? ever converted. We should totally have, if you would, Greg, send a greeting to our Philippine listeners in Tagalog. Oh yeah, sure. So, ano, kumusta kayo um, sa mga kaibigan ko taga Pilipinas? Um, gusto kong, ano, gusto kong mabigay ng mga greetings ko sa inyo ngayon. Sana, um, sana makita tayo ulit. Um, nag-serve ko sa Quezon City at tsaka sa may Manila. Gusto kong balik doon, ano, para sa isang, isang o dalawang Isang or dalawang linggo, siguro. Baka tatlong linggo, pero hindi ko alam, hindi ko sigurado. Ngayon, kasi, ano, mahal talaga yung pemansahe, di ba? So, sana makita tayo ulit. Ulit, yung pangalan ko ay Greg Hawkins, ako si Greg. At, syempre, kung gusto mong mag-email sa akin, ang email ko ay gregleo1 at gmail.com. Hindi yun Yahoo, kasi Amerikano ako. Pero, Siyempre, kung gusto niyong ano, mag-send ng, ano, ng isang email sa aking, pwede tayong mag-email sa isa-isa. Yeah, awesome. Pretty sure he just called us a bunch of assholes. I think yeah. what he actually said is, <laughs> but, but Mike, on. you owe me $10. Here's my email address. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Please send money now. <laughs> send money and, it, and balut. It was a little hard because I'm, I'm, I'm a little frothy, so I'm just like, okay, how do I speak this language? No, it's okay. Yeah. I, uh, but is, is Tagalog a Creole language? I, I, it seemed like I was picking up hints of Spanish in there as well. There is yeah. a lot of Spanish. And, and a lot of Southeast Asian. So. Puede, como está. Yeah, I heard. Um, uh, um, siempre, Dios. Pero. Pero. Uh-huh. Yeah. The Spanish, as you know, they lived there. They, they took yeah, was, that country. The, Where the, did the, they the go? The imperial Spanish. For yeah, it was 500 occupied, years. Yeah, occupied them for. So, and then the Americans took over. So you're going to hear a lot of English. Um, you're going to learn a lot of. Um, Spanish. You're going to see a lot of um, native languages in there, which is right. kind of related to Indonesian or Samoan. Um, right. Well, and, I, and I hope this isn't derogatory. I'm so ignorant, I don't even know. But yeah. there's a little bit of a sing-songy element, which is which yeah. is typical of Southeast Asian. Yes, there is a sing-songy element, and okay, I good. think that's All just right. the way so that the, the, the that, that the words fall together. Yeah. And no, um, it's beautiful. I just yeah. And if you if you say it. You can actually, it, this is one of the easiest languages to learn, in my opinion, even though the grammar is completely off of what we know. If you don't know a word, just substitute an English word. Um, you can oh, do that okay. there. And that you can be like, so, right. kumusta kayo? You, could, you don't have to say that. You can be like, hello, po. Um, and then be like, <laughs> that so, akosi Greg. My name is Greg at gusto kong magbahagi my message to you guys ngayon. And... Shampre, if you guys want, puede tayong ano, mag scripture study mamaya or later if you want, but it's no biggie. Just depende talaga sa yo. Like, you can literally say stuff like that and they'll get everything. Wow. Interesting. So, I got two words. I tried, I, tried to, I tried to make it like English. I tried to make it as taglish as I possibly could. Yeah. And so, I, had some, I, started, I heard some Spanish stuff in there. Yeah. There's Cristo, a lot of Spanish. Pero, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you very much that for doing beautiful. that. That was beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you. Appreciate uh, it. I know. Thank you for Tagalog. I'm not going to practice. So, 
Yeah. I just, uh, did you say see, you need to practice see, your tengala? Yeah. <laughs> ah, I'm, I'm learning already. I got that tongues thing. Somebody call up the James Randi Foundation. <laughs> yeah. We've got a winner. Exactly. <laughs> nice. Uh, I'll take that million. <laughs> I think it's ten thousand now. No, no, it's a, it started off as ten thousand. Then it's like hundred thousand. I think it's dropped again, hasn't it? I thought it went to a million. I don't, I don't know. I have no clue. Okay, I, don't I know thought either. it was still at a million, but yeah, I, I I'm probably wrong. I think it was at ten thousand in nineteen seventy. Because he's had that challenge for a long time. Yeah, yeah and I thought I remember hearing uh, Dillahunty talk about him, like him he, being disappointed that Randy was going to have to drop that down again because he was. Financially he strapped. Aging. No, he was just aging, and he just was tired. You know, he just was ready to go to Bermuda. I don't know. Have you ever huh. seen the prank? I, I could be wrong. I don't know. This is me reporting on something I heard somebody reporting on. So you know, so who knows? Have you ever seen the James Randy prank where he actually pretends like someone beat him? What? Uh, With no. the, the where a guy claims to make a psychic computer, and he goes through the whole thing, and it gets to the end. He's like, "You you passed the test." Here's your million dollar check, and he goes through the whole thing like he's signing this big check and stuff, and giving it to the guy, and like, ah, we got you. This is all fake. I'd be so pissed. <laughs> the guy's like, I got away with it. <laughs> he's like, No, no, no. The guy was in on it. Oh, they were all in on so it. Besides everybody, the, the audience, yeah. the audience was the only oh, one okay. not in on it. <laughs> oh, that sucks. <laughs> but it was funny. It's like, holy shit, James Rankin got took. <laughs> Ratings were down. <laughs> so you're out on your mission. At what point did you, did you, well, and I, I think before, pre-podcast you said that you were, you were a true believer the whole way through, right? Yes. Yes. But you didn't serve out your full two years. No. I well, think that's one thing that I forgot to mention let in me, the article. Let me take it back just a second here. We were talking about, um, you were having trouble with your, the leader's or whatever for your political views and so on and so forth. But then you also mentioned here, uh, obviously, you know, you, you're heading out to serve in the Philippines, right? Yeah. Which, um, and then you say, by the way, which I thought this was important, a Mormon missionary's family, not the church pays for the travel and living expenses during a mission. And the missionary doesn't get as much as stipend. Yes. Yeah. Nothing. So this is what's very interesting, is we kind of touched on this earlier. I got a lot of flack for this one. Um, I think I keep saying that, but I, I, get, I got a lot of flack from a lot <laughs> oh, of Oh, I'm sure you did, yeah. I got a lot of hate mail for this, um, which, is, which was kind of not good for my ego at the well, same time, because I was like, ah, well, there, <laughs> getting there, hate mail. <laughs> there's also a little bit of an element of re- re- releasing secrets, too. Re- yeah. revealing secrets and so. and and they're like you're telling it now from the wrong perspective you know so sure, anyways you, you can't possibly have the spirit with you and yeah yeah all of that good stuff so basically and i know this this um this changes from mission to mission i didn't know this before it does change from mission to mission but every mormon missionary's family basically pays the entire way oh, yeah. um right. and then the missionary gets a stipend a stipend out of what they already paid into um, the church. The church appro- like gives them a so, little bit of your money back. So we'd get we like pay right. like I can't remember ten thousand dollars for like a, a per year or per two years or whatever. Um, a lot of money, and they would give us a hundred dollars back every two or three weeks. 
And mm-hmm. even if you add all that up, that's not a lot. And no. the Filipino missionaries, it was adjusted for them so that they had to pay less, but it was very similar in how much their family was right, percentage, yeah. And they, but so basically American missionaries were paying for their mission and the Filipinos mission. And mm. they, you, you pay the entire way. The only thing that church <gasps> takes socialism. Yeah. <laughs> what? Well, <laughs> no, because you have your agency, uh, you know, <laughs> well, the, 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 the biggest thing I thought of at, you know, during that was that the LDS corporate, the LDS church uh, could could easily have paid for all of them. Oh, they can pay for everyone. Yes. Easily, and, right? And what's and, worse, what's worse, um, just to say this really quickly, um, the only thing I think they paid for was the flights, which were covered by what we were doing anyways, but they said that they were paid for by the church. But the, the, the houses that they gave us to stay in in the Philippines, now if you go to houses here in America for the missionaries, they're not going to be great, but they're not going to be, they're not going to be shitty. Yeah. In the Philippines, they were poor by even Filipino standards in most areas. Wow. Um, like there was, there was one house that you had to pump the water from outside. And for anybody that served, used to serve in, 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 um, like Africa and stuff, they're probably laughing at me right now. Like we had a lot of guys had it easy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But like, there's not a lot of African missions, but no, no South Africa, but no showers. My first, my first house didn't have a shower or a flush toilet. It had no washing machine, no dryer, no stove, no microwave, no heating, no electricity, no, or no um, air conditioning, no carpet, um, no electronics of any kind. We had a rice cooker, um, microwave oven, and a toaster. Okay. First world mission. Let me, let me, let me pause you there. (laughs) This is, this isn't my next point. Right. And this paragraph says the culture shock was extreme, right? Which is what you were just talking about. I cried every night of my first week. I just wanted a toilet that flushed, not to have to wash my clothes by hand and perhaps have a house that wasn't infested with rodents and cockroaches, So bad. not to get shot at <laughs> or pickpocketed yeah. or yelled at by passersby yeah. or molested. That happened. And perhaps to be paid for my 24-7 efforts instead of paying the corporate, the church, for the privilege of to do this whole thing. To do the whole damn thing, yeah. The privilege, yeah. They they really they really sell you on it, don't they? And 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 here's here's what really got me is the next thing it says when I approached a more experienced missionary about my constant misery, his stern reply was, "Watch your pride, elder." What does that even mean? That means I was being Is prideful. that an answer? Um and I got I got a lot of flack from the mission president for my for 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 even thinking those sorts of things. Um, I think that my trainer, my trainer, um, was an excellent, excellent missionary and elder and really good friend. Still remains a great friend. He's mm. from Australia, ah, so okay. he didn't give a damn. And he he, was, he had some he had some understanding and a cool was, accent. He was cool. Right. Right. <laughs> there was one there was one common thread between American missionaries, and that was that we were all had our asses sewn way tighter yep. than everybody else. Yep. So the Aussie missionary that I had was super cool. Right. And if I didn't Chill. have him, I might have gone home in my very first couple of, of weeks. Right, right. Because otherwise I wouldn't have been able to handle it. But he was like, nah, bro, mate, it'll it'll all be it'll all be all right after, you know, just just it's it's all goods. It's all goods. You know? It seems cool. You know, like he would say weird stuff, but like it was really nice. But um 
just just to kind of paint this picture again very quickly as um the very first moment I walked in, I saw cockroaches flying from across the walls. I saw a rat run out of the door. These are blatant health code violations in the United States. Oh, sure, they, sure. they wouldn't, yeah. they, this would seriously not fly. But what made me so mad was I'd just come from the mission president's house after landing in the Philippines and it oh. was rich even by American standards. Like it, a very had, it had nice. a spiral staircase really? and it was marble and, there was multiple rooms and it was all Wi-Fi and air conditioning and and he had a, a a maid to do all the cooking and cleaning for him and two vehicles and by the way he didn't have to pay for any of that oh no of course not that came we from you. paid for that yeah so that and so I was like oh this isn't going to be so bad like this look is, where he's this at is nice and then I go to my place and I I'm not I'm like every house around us was way 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 nicer than that one than the one we were staying in. And no money spared. It was, it was a big shock. Um, yeah. And that may sound a little insensitive to the Filipinos that I, that I became friends with that are obviously living, continue to live in much um, harsher conditions than that. But sure, for me sure. as a privileged American, I had no idea. And that was very, right. very difficult for me. Check your privilege, elder. Check your pride. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, <clears throat> How do the how do the other elders how how do they manage that how do they how do they square that with the mission president's living conditions and say the Filipino investigators that they're they're dealing with and and then their li- living conditions how do they how do they figure in all that how do they yeah is it is it a you know one day if I'm if I'm worthy enough and and work hard enough I can have that same kind of well thing? I mean I mean surely though surely Jesus could provide. He could. If he was real. <laughs> um, I'm sorry. He could. Um, here's, here's most missionaries reacted to it as turning just a blind eye. Don't think about it. Don't just, no, he's our boss. He's the mission president. We don't, we don't criticize leadership. It says very clearly in the temple that we do not speak evil of the Lord's anointed. So um, no criticizing of church leadership. And when I did that, I got found out and I got, they, they told on me right. to the church leadership. So I had to be very careful with what I said, even though I was very devout in the doctrine, I, I really had a problem with that. And well, that's a big thing throughout Mormon theology, right? Is, is to tattle on other people who aren't oh, yeah. as, yeah. who aren't as fervent as you. Yeah. And, yeah. And to me, and as I wrote in my last um, column that was featured on Don Arrow's blog was it's very Orwellian. It's very reminiscent of 1984, mm. where you have this this all-powerful autonomous state, and you have to be super careful about every single thing that you do. You never know who's going to say what or when you are living. If you're not perfectly obedient, which no missionary ever was, of course, you're living in constant fear. Yeah, just just Big Brother constantly all of the time. Yeah. And that is one reoccurring theme that I saw with all the missionaries. Much less hysteria over the way the obvious mission president standards over our standards, what it was fear. That was the big underlying thing that I saw um, whenever a general authority would come to visit the mission or um, an area authority, which is like a general authority light, would come visit yeah. the mission. <laughs> fear, clothed and draped in, in, in love. And mm. and devotion. Let's talk about Ed for a second. 
Oh, Ed, I love Ed. <laughs> you can you can send him a shout out if you'd like. He he won't hear it. He doesn't have a computer. <laughs> who's oh. who's Ed? Yeah, let's let's introduce Ed. Yeah. So Ed um, is one of our investigators. He was in my first area, um, and in Mormon missions, you you go to different areas. But he was in my first one. And in, and an investigator is somebody who is they, open to hearing about the faith, but yeah. but not a member. That's correct. Right. And you visit them multiple times, and they're keeping commandments and promises and, and things that they've said, and you're working with them to get them baptized. That's that's kind of what they're for. So Ed, which is, and, and I don't I don't mean to interrupt you, but the mm-hmm. the whole the whole idea of referring to them as investigators, as if they're somebody yeah. who's you know questioning the Lacks. church, and and they're they're doing their research, they're making sure that you know everything lines up. And if they become a member, it's because they've investigated it and they know that it's true. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's that. And then also the, the term itself implies they're lacking something. Yeah. Yes. Um, it's, it's about getting, getting that sale, right? Right. And we, all, we yeah. record all the numbers, every lesson taught, yep. what we taught, how we taught it, what we're going to teach next time. And baptisms, despite yeah. the fact that missionaries don't want to they, – they pretend like they don't want to compare that when they it's get home. It's not about baptisms, but it's about baptisms. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about Ed for a second. Um, yeah, so he's he was one of the 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 less privileged financially that mm-hmm. I that I taught on the mission. Mm-hmm. Probably one of the one of the the poorest that I ever that I ever talked to. Ah, oh, man, it was it's really difficult because he was he was a great guy. Yeah, um, from what I could gather, it was it was somebody you you thought enough of to you respected him, uh, worked worked hard. My very first night, my very first night in the Philippines, I went to his house. His house, um, and I couldn't understand a word. And he scared the ever living out of me because <laughs> this was a, he was a security guard, okay. and he'd work twenty four hour shifts on, mm-hmm. twenty four hours on, twenty four hours off, twenty four hours on, twenty four hours off, twenty four hours on, twenty four hours on, twenty four hours off, twenty four hours on, and that was how his week went. And he was going, he was he was learning and progressing with us. And he had a, be- a beautiful wife, beautiful daughters. Um, they they cooked over like an open fire, and they made some awesome mm-hmm. food. Mm-hmm. But um, we, it was disgusting. We we taught him about the law of tithing, and mm-hmm. he can commit to live the law of tithing. He was he was making nearly nothing. We were making more as missionaries than he was making. Um, right. Working twenty four hours on, twenty four hours off. Yeah. Um, for his family of four or five, five, I think, five or six, maybe. Yeah, and what, what, what you said here was the equivalency of $177 US dollars a month. Yeah. So uh, it, now take $177 US dollars a month for everybody that's listening and and try, try and see what you can live on with that, with a family of four or five or whatever. Um, Two. That's what I was spending family gas of, a month. Family of one. One. Even like... Sure. Right. Even in the Philippines where money goes along, your money, you know, it stretches out a little more. Yeah, the exchange rate, but still. It's very, very little money. Very, very poor. And we were asking him to give 1770 Is that 10%? Mm-hmm. 1770 yep. of that a month to us. And will you commit to do that? And I promise. For the rest of your life. For the rest yeah. of your life. And I promise that if you do that, the Lord will bless you. The Lord will provide. That was uh, that to me was just awful. He never progressed after that point because he just I couldn't imagine. do it. But he did tell us a story 
about how he wanted to live this law so badly that he was considering borrowing a friend's gun and robbing a convenience store down the street. Just so that that he could tithe? Just so that he could get enough money to support his family and and pay tithing. Wow. That's an extreme that you don't want to to make someone go to. I am not going to say that the church, the church, the LDS church in any capacity would support that. I I believe they would not. I, however, I hope they wouldn't. They got no problem robbing you. They would absolutely take that 1770 from Ed's pocket and have you 19 and 20 year olds do their fucking bidding and their dirty work out in the streets of those third world countries while they sit in their marbled home spiral staircase and, and, and don't do none of that shit. Fuck that dude. Fuck that. Ed story got me like a motherfucker, dude. I'm telling you that is ridiculous. It was really disgusting. And there's, there's a lot more that I, that it's hard for me to talk about. I'm sure. Um, I'm sure. But how disgusting is that? And when I talked to my, my leadership about this, this was a big thing for us, for us, because we were teaching like twenty people. But sure, he was—he sure. he meant something to me. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Um, of course, and he, dude, the Ed leadership were just to like, me. just read yeah, the story, man. The leadership were just like, get him to commit, and then we'll see if we can, if we can somehow make something work after he's baptized that he'll get something from the church. But the church says now, like, exhaust your family's resources before and the government's resources before going to the church. Mm-hmm. And yeah. the way that the church is set up in the Philippines, I have a very, very hard time believing that he would receive anything. Um, it was, man, that was just so difficult. Well, I mean, he never, pre- he never got baptized. Not stuff. Well, Jesus, yeah. Jesus taught that too. He never got baptized, and I'm, actually, I'm, I'm so happy now that he didn't. Yeah. I'm so happy now that he didn't. Yeah, that'd be rough, it's, man. It's, I, yeah. I can't. It's touching, man. I can't imagine, you know, having having to ask somebody who has so little to give up ten percent of what little they have. Oh yeah. You want to know what's disgusting to me? It's even the just the most capricious thing about the entire system is that if we did get him to do this, not only would us, but anybody else that got a hold of that story in Mormon leadership would tout that around as the greatest success story of faith yeah, yeah. and, and, and talk yeah. about it like it's some good thing that, it's that, not, that happened right. when it's, you're literally stealing from a man who barely has enough to pay his family. Mm-hmm. Ugh, the worst. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was a, that was a tear jerking type story. And, and the sad thing, not just for Ed and his family, you know, um, and, and for you, elder Hawkins, but also, <laughs> but also, because that happens all oh, yeah. the time around the world. Yeah. Around the world. This is what Mormon missionaries are doing all the time. Right. And I don't blame them all for it. You know, well, oh, they're God. asking the poor for money when they say I'll, they're I'll, there I'll to have help to think the about poor. Usually, I blame usually them we don't, we don't think about that. We're not right. Sure. But we're the, not but, in the mindset, but the machine of the yeah. LDS corporation is, is really what's, is really what's at fault for all of this. Yeah. And, and it's, it's brutally nasty sometimes. And, um, I mean, it's central South America. Yes. Um, Africa, I mean, Africa, yeah. where, where, wherever they're involved in Africa. Um, which but, is way poorer, but, oh yeah, sure. Oh yeah. Well, I but mean, like, in parts, yeah. like the GDP overall, like people talk but, about South America and the Philippines and let me just bring well, up Southeast Asia, South Central and South America and and Africa. I mean that that, that tops the world. Yeah, and like let's see. 
And you're absolutely right. I, 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 I can't place the blame on the missionaries. Yeah, no. I, the, like I said, I, I, I don't know if that, but, but the LDS corporate machine that's churning this out. Yeah. That, you know, because these mission presidents that live in marble houses. And they're already rich. Like my mission president was the vice president of a, of a, of a sure. credit union. Yeah, exactly. Before he even. I, and you out. know what? I'll tell you what. I noticed from an early age that all the bishops were all the guys that had boats. Yeah. And this is this is a small observation, but I'm just saying I I noticed that early on. You're All the bishops always had boats, and they were the I grew up in a poor neighborhood that was in a weird zone that was like kind of in a leg out. And and I always noticed it was always from this other neighborhood that was further north, yeah. and further east, up in the hills, and they always it it, it, it was an interesting thing, you know, cuz they we were, they paid more in tithing. We were actually commanded by our leadership very high up to go find the rich people so that we could baptize bishops and stake presidents. They said those exact words. Interesting. Go find the rich people and baptize the rich people. Like baptizing poor people is fine too. That's that. But But we don't focus for numbers. Look for rich people. And they said this when I was in a very, very poor area, like it was dirt roads. Yeah. It was people lived in car, um, corrugated cardboard and they're like, find the rich people. Okay. That's not hard. That guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. And they're just looking for the upsell. Yeah, yeah. And it was literally so that we could find bishops and stake presidents to turn to bring in from the Philippines. That was the only reason. Wow. Yeah, they, that was exact words. Um, lighten it up a little bit here. You you were talking about the the conflicts you you had personally with the Book of Mormon in this article, and then decided to go study that and and. Uh, contrast that with the Bible yeah. and found obviously a, a plethora of, of contradictions there as well. Um, it, I'm, I, everyone's aware of what I think probably the things you highlight in there about what the Bible advocates and, and so on and so forth, which are objectionable. Yeah. Uh, but the one that I found interesting was that it forbids wearing clothing made of two kinds of material. Leviticus. Right. No. Yep. No, What's up with that? no cotton poly blends, right? What? And so no, this is all cotton. My question was, I'm safe. Yeah. Uh, are not temple garment garments made of cotton poly blends? You, you can get them. I guess it depends on your temple garment. Um, the ones that I wore were one was made out of like a dry, um, a, like a, it was a dry flex thing. So it was like a, a big, like under armor of all sorts of stuff. Kind of, kind like, of. The, <laughs> like the Jersey one, but I also wore a lot of mesh garments, which, oh, okay. which were nylon polyester, and maybe a little bit of spandex for the for the like right, the, okay. the arms and stuff. So um, that's all synth. Yeah, the first time yeah. I saw a guy at work with one of those kind, like the mesh ones, I thought uh-huh. he just came from a nightclub or something. <laughs> <laughs> Where's they your were, gold chains, man? <laughs> so it's like I see him like because you know it's it's a fire station. We all use the same showers, and I see him like shaving after he got out of the shower. He's wearing like a mesh shirt, and I'm like. You just come from the fucking nightclub or check what? your locker for chaps later, buddy. Night, night cl- <laughs> nightclub came from the came from the gay club because yeah, was, yeah. Um, yeah no, I, I we wore those because those were the coolest garments. Oh yeah, of to course. Use in the Philippines, of but course. yeah, they are they are blended. But remember oh, that yeah. Jesus came to fulfill that stuff, and he changed those covenants. Yeah, yeah but, just, those. but he is, he also came. Not to bring peace, but a sword. But I the mean, gay so, people... You know, it depends on what you want the to read. Shellfish, and not to he, abolish the old laws, but, but to, to fulfill, fulfill them. He yeah. fulfilled the shellfish, but not the homosexuality <clears throat> stuff. Right. I don't remember reading where he said you I can wear... I think talked about... Polycotton blends. 
Jesus? Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't remember Jesus saying anything. No, I, he didn't know words. anything about it. Well, no, but I, I mean, he didn't say anything. He, he, like, <laughs> well, we could, we he could go because he had no fucking idea. We could talk to him. He has no idea. He's <laughs> omnibalevolent. He knows everything. Yeah. Well, now. Well, you know, you could also go into like the the Book of Mormon. They talk about wearing fine silks. And yeah, it's like silk right. from China, motherfucker. Like, how'd you know about that? Like, like how did you get silk from China? Yeah, they talk about bells and earrings and all kinds of fancy things that the girls wear and stuff. <laughs> By right? silk, they didn't mean silk. swords made of steel. They they meant right. they meant like like some other material that no, actually they, like they do in the book of Mormon. They do talk about swords made of steel. Yeah. yeah which in didn't areas exist. way before swords it, made of steel, steel could exists. have existed. Where yeah. all the steel mills when oh, yeah. he wrote it, they right. existed, but when that event happened, it wasn't even a thing. Yeah. yeah. Why, why were they killing people with obsidian? If they had steel, bring that one up to apologists and they'll, they, they, they'll, the, the way that they try and dance around the question is exp- yeah, Dan, Dan Pearson's well, already covered you that. You won't understand. Oh, it's it already because. been addressed. Yeah, yeah, I love when they try to explain horses away, too. Yeah. Like, oh, right. no, it says horses, but it, that's not what it means. It could have been. It could, yeah, the Spaniards I, I love that because they say that, and t- Dan Peterson says on video, well, they could have been referring to Taper or something, and Thomas Murphy's like, Taper? Who's going to ride a something the size of a dog into battle? <laughs> it's a, it's an advanced pig. By, by horse, you mean taper, right? And if it yeah. was and taper, then, why does it say fucking horse? Oh, right, and then, yeah. and then yeah. Murphy looks at those camera and goes, Dan Peterson is lying. <laughs> because he knows. <laughs> he just pulled this out of his yes, ass. Of course, he, yeah, he's a fucking liar, dude. Yeah. It's, it's, hard, it's hard to reconcile oh, when your book, like the Book of Mormon is filled with so many inconsistencies. It's hard... It, like well, you kind of have to be a little creative if you want to make that like sure work. But the <laughs> biggest the biggest thing I hear now is you know they, they never said that it was the most factual book. They just said that it was the most the the, the correct book correct in, book. in well, pertaining to our spiritual so salvation. Spiritually yeah. correct, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but everyone thinks it's true. Yeah, well, well that, this is, that's this a bonus. Is, this is part of that fuzzy, gray, <laughs> soft area that we've been talking about the yeah. whole time. That's why the church won't take a stance on any of this shit. And this is what I meant by Joseph Smith was an idiot. Yeah. I, I agree with you. Socially, he was a genius, probably a psycho or a sociopath. Yeah. One of the two had to have been. But, you know, so much of this stuff's directly plagiarized from the Bible where he talks about uh, Mesoamericans having wheat and barley and, and yeah. all this kind of where, – where they actually had squash and, and potatoes. And, nothing like yeah, no, said, no, No, yeah. nothing like that. They, you know, they didn't have elephants in the wild or horses or anything like that. And we can actually study this. This is something yeah, we, we can know. study. We know for sure. Pollen is one of the most naturally indestructible substances on the face of this planet. Right. We can, we can study pollen samples from that time period to see what types of flowering plants and flowering vegetation were growing in that time period. None of that stuff. Well, Nothing that did, Joseph Smith did, mentioned. He, even did you outside have a of that. Did you have a camera? Yeah, were you, did you, were you there? <laughs> were you there? How, how, did, you, how, did you take photos of these pollen? <laughs> were you there? Yeah, did you have like, a camera? How could did you, you see it? How could, well, there, how be, you know? how could there be apples if, if the earth is only 6,000 years old? <laughs> right. Right. Or, or Dan's boxer. We've yeah. talked about that yeah. before, too. But, but I mean, even outside of pollen, you know, anthropologically, you know, linguistically, uh, you know all all the, the weapons they were producing, the 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 culture that they had, the 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 clothes they were making, the food they were making, the the habits they had was all incredibly indicative of North Asian oh, yeah. Siberian influence. You know, not exactly, but but definitely influenced. Yeah, you the know, only world not, they knew. Not and and then when genetics came into it, not a single drop from the Middle East. 
Not a bit. Well, you know, like... pre fourteen ninety two. No, right after fourteen ninety two, they did find some some white and some See, African they said, influence. They but, said among the the principal. Oh, genetic drift. You know, okay, not, yeah, fair enough. Genetic the, drift. Okay. Not the principal ancestors. <laughs> yes, no, they, they do say the, the. Oh yeah, that's right. We had to change that in the in the Pambungad. What's that in English? In the introduction. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So yeah, they, when did you did change that, yeah. actually come back from your missions? I know you had told us earlier that you ended up getting injured and you're forced to come back. Yeah. When did you come back, though? Like, like what year? Um, Last year. Last year? Like, like late last year, like October, November, I think. No, so, and so about one year off your mission. Yeah. Just, and you, just and a, holy just shit, a, dude, you have been studying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you came back, I mean, you came back as a true believer even, right? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah, you you have been on the research wagon, man. I think my first, I, I really started getting like serious doubts, which I didn't really mention in the article, but I got serious doubts. My friend had printed off a bunch of Albert Einstein quotes, and one of them was about God, and it was like, I, I think it was Einstein who was like, I can't imagine a God who who does all of this and this and that and the other, and still loves us, and, and a sure. God who is, in fact, a frail you know, reflection of what we yeah, ourselves are. Yeah, more of are. a deistic view. And I, I was just like, Albert Einstein said that <laughs> because to me I still held yeah. science in high esteem. In fact, we were taught about the plan. We were teach the plan of salvation, which is how to get to Mormon heaven. Where did we come from? Why are we here? Where are we going? And that was one of the essentials. Um, and if this is a shameless plug, and if you keep reading the American Atheist magazine, I'll be doing like a six part series in the American Atheist magazine about this. So keep on the lookout for that. Um, Greg Hawkins, you can find yeah. it at Barnes and Nobles. Yeah, um, at fine bookstores everywhere. <laughs> or if you become a member of American Atheist, you get it for free. Every Even month. better. In your yeah. every quarter. Yeah. I haven't gotten one yet. Well, Are you a member of American yeah. Atheist? I get the newsletter, like the monthly newsletter that comes in the mail. Yeah, the, the magazine is released quarterly. Oh, yeah. I don't know if I've gotten one yet. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. I get the I get the uh, I get the uh, the magazine, not the, the, the the news pamphlet that comes out like once a month. You should send an email to Nick Fish. Hey, Nick, <laughs> since you listen that to is this, nfish at atheists.org. <laughs> my name is Ryan Duffy, and I I have never received an American Atheist magazine. Where's my I, magazine, man? Where's my? I'm magazine? pretty sure my my dues are good. <laughs> <laughs> what was I? What was I even saying? I'll have to check. No, oh, I might be. I might. I'm actually. I might. My my subscription might be because it's yearly. Yes. I might need to renew it here soon. Uh-huh. I've got my. I'm a card carrying member. Yeah. Oh, cool. Good on you. Um. Oh, yeah. So what I was gonna say was, so we. I held. I held science in high esteem, but in the plan of salvation, I would teach, and I had a companion who was Filipino. Granted, so he didn't like the science education there. Isn't quite um as particular as the science education here. And so he didn't believe in evolution. Actually, most of the missionaries that I talked to didn't believe in evolution in on the mission. And that was a source of a lot of um, issues because I was like, yeah, ev- no, evolution, evolution's a fact. Get, get over it. Even as a missionary. And so I held like Albert Einstein. So and, how do you, how do, you do that as a missionary? Because, I mean, Mormon theology teaches really that evolution isn't really a thing. You, you just compartmentalize it in your brain. Yeah. You know? So you like would... So maybe they're speaking as men, or or maybe there's just something that we just haven't understood yet that they'll reveal it to us later. You know, milk before meat, greater light and knowledge, line upon line, precept upon precept, that sort of stuff. I can't really read the front anymore. <laughs> you need a new American atheist. I, card. I, need, I need I need a new card. 
should become a platinum or whatever. I mean, yeah, I'm a life member, it. so I've got the plastic card. Yeah, I get the plastic. Uh, I just got the fake paper one. It's laminated. Check, <laughs> check me, bro. I got the plastic what? one. <laughs> How much does the life membership cost? Uh, twelve hundred bucks. I'm not rich like you. <laughs> oh, I'm 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 a wealthy man. <laughs> Why aren't you a bishop? I know. Right? <laughs> you would be. So now you just you paid your tithing to the American American atheists. I figure you know well, and I, and I didn't I didn't pay twelve hundred up front. You can do a monthly installment okay. plan, right? So hmm. I figure hundred bucks a month. Like I can do that. I think I did the what is it? It's fifty for a years. I think it's 35, 35? for year. Yeah. Are there student ones? Because I think that I might have done yeah. a student one. Yeah, I think they have a student membership yeah. also. Yeah, I think that's what I did. So you you <clears throat> don't serve out your full mission because you get injured? Yes. I got in, a, I got in an accident on a tricycle, and that sounds so stupid. <laughs> um, but a tricycle in the Philippines is a motorcycle with a sidecar. That's yeah. what they call a tricycle. Uh, okay. And the guy was drunk, and he was racing his brother, who was also drunk, on another tricycle, and we hit... At full speed, a cement trunk. Which, by oh, the way, geez. we'll be doing uh, later on tonight after the show. But yes. we won't. Well, we'll be in tricycles. <laughs> be, be with be we'll be racing because, trikes. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, then that's and two okay. Cement trucks. <laughs> I'm, yes. I'm used to it now. So, and and I got sent to the hospital. And I also like I broke my toe. Um, I the, like actually a piano fell on my toe my third or fourth week into my mission. Oh. And I still had to go out and track with a broken toe and a cast on, and everybody would laugh at me and make fun of me and point point at me and and be like, you know, swear words. And they're like, "Hey, Joe, fuck you!" And I'd be like, "Can you call Joe?" And I'd be like, "I'm not a Joe." And and it was what is a Joe? Oh, so a Joe is like um, what people call Americans. So like, I got two like things. Joe? I got two things a lot. I got Inchik or Kalahati a lot because Inchik means Chinese. And obviously, if you look at me, you can tell that I have the Asian persuasion. Or, um, or kalahati means half. And so I would get that quite a bit as well. Um, and like a half-breed, half-blood sort of thing yeah. going on. Mud blood. Yeah, mud blood. <laughs> Out of the way, mud blood. World's fanciest man is well, coming know. through. <laughs> Being half isn't so bad. Yeah. <laughs> it's, got, it's got me quite far, I'll tell you. Uh. So, but Joe is from, from what they call like Americans. And so literally, if you walk down the streets of the Philippines, you will hear this multiple times. People will shout out to you. Hey, Joe. Hey, Joe. Hey, Joe. How are you? Hey, Joe. Fuck you. They would just whatever they heard on television. But they would just point out. They'd be like, oi. They'd be like, look at that guy, because he's got a fucking cast on his leg. And uh, you just Why didn't Jesus protect you from getting in a crash on yeah, a tricycle? You could have made a bubble. Crash yeah, or, or like or dropping a piano on You're out doing his work, man. Or getting shot at. Or, I mean, or, why do so many missionaries die in car accidents? By a, by a bakla. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Or pr- protect you from, uh, from any of the harsh words, even. Yeah, no. Like, why did they, why did I have to hear them? What hmm. was he trying to teach Thanks, me? Thanks, Jesus. Yeah. What was he trying to Jeez. teach me about this Jesus. situation today? How can I take this and make this more spiritually enlightening in my I'm life? I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. <laughs> How can I look at this and, and, and reflect upon it and pray about it so that I can make myself spiritually stronger and adopt it into my lesson for tomorrow with the, the Vinoya family? Well, now you're, now you're walking the path that I have, my son. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you get injured. Yeah. You're shipped back. You were on your mission for how long? Um, it's really hard to say. 
um, because it was it was around the year mark. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. So about halfway. Yeah. So if you would have done your whole thing, you would have missed the American def- Atheist Convention. It definitely wasn't under the year mark. It was over a year. Yeah. All right. So so the reason why you're an atheist now is because you you lacked the strength to finish your mission. Yeah. That's what that's what most most believers, even though at the the very the beginning of the 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 talk that like when I came home, I still gave a homecoming talk, right? Because I'd been out for long enough mm-hmm. and I had still quite the strong testimony. Yeah, it's not my like bishop, you chose to, came home, yeah, to come home. My bishop said I got sent home for an honorable medical release. And that's what it was. I, I was honorably medically released from my mission. It sounds like the military. Yeah. It sure does. <laughs> this isn't a section eight. This is the Lord's yeah. army. Yeah. You you are discharged <laughs> nice. honorably. Yeah. Medical honorable medical discharge. Yeah. And that's very important sure for missionaries. If you don't come home on time, you might as well come home honorably and medically. Right. And not like just some some stupid emotional or mental thing. Like yeah. you had depression like everybody Or no. like or like the guy I knew that yeah. got sent home for skinny dipping in the baptismal font with the sister missionaries. <laughs> that, yeah. Like that is so much cooler than how I got sent <laughs> home. I want to be on that yeah, mission. But, but, but that was super dishonorable. No, I know no, I, yeah, I, knew, I don't care. I want to be on that you mission. You didn't no, want to get sent I, home. I, I, I knew I one guy that got sent home after he had served the full mission, he got sent home two weeks early dishonorably. Oh, what a waste of your time. Right. And did, did he get his he, money he, back? Well, because he'd slept with, you know, a couple of because Filipinas tend to yeah. like, you know, half, like half bloods like me, I guess, mud bloods, and they love Americans. And so you'll find a fairly large ratio of Filipinas that are willing to, to at least date you for whatever reason. Um, well, that's interesting. It depending, I guess it depends on like, if you're an they asshole like non Filipinos. They do the Filipinas. I think. I think that. I think actually that Spanish. That Spanish um, settlement in the Philippines for so long um, has given them an inferiority complex. Oh, and I don't want to say that I'm not like I don't want to be racially insensitive, but I think because they do hold other ethnicities in a very high esteem. Well, I know. I had a buddy that went to Brazil, and they and they love blue eyes. Yeah, for some reason, yeah. uh, you know, they and they too were occupied by the Portuguese for however long. Yeah. Well, my buddy that was in China says, if you come to China, dude, there's women are gonna be crawling all over you because they love tall white men with tattoos. And I'm like, done. <laughs> I'm in like Flynn, yo. <laughs> for me, me, me and Dan are like, do they like leprechauns as well? <laughs> You're an oddity. How about fat redheaded beard guys? <laughs> they go for it. For me, it was really like they liked the Asian features because it was um, normal. It was more mm-hmm. normal to them. But they also liked the long nose and the lighter skin. Well, and, we we, you know. we should say your father's Korean. I, I, yeah, was that was that mentioned on the on the show or was that pre-show? That was pre-show. It was, it, my yeah. father's okay. Korean. Everybody. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So they they do they do have a tendency to like that. A lot of missionaries did get sent home early dishonorably. Sure. Um from 2 months to 24 months and they well, would they would it was a lot of it was because they were um it, it, it's almost sleeping with women. it's almost yeah. an unreasonable expectation. You know. I've literally had I women I mean it was in the 19 to 21, now it's 18 to 20. You take you take guys of that age in their sexual prime. In their sexual yeah. prime. College right? students. Who, who, yeah. who, who have College been kids. incredibly yeah. neglected in that area. Right. And then throw them into situations where. I've had, I had Filipinas grab my hand. Work. Yep. Grab my hands and say, let's have sex in the back of this store. 
they also wanted money I mean, when you were done. That's ridiculous. No, they just wanted Even a half white did. baby. Well, they wanted like a half, like whatever I was. They wanted a half <laughs> that baby and a half Filipino so that they could be a movie star and then support, you know, oh, but boy. like they, they, I literally had people come up to me and say, let's have sex. Yeah. What? Right now? Like here? No, I'm a missionary. <laughs> Sorry. They'd be like, so what? Like, grab, like, like, grab a, a banana really, leaf. You're like, that's a really good question. Now, I do so know. A lot of missionaries did go, get sent home for that. Yeah, sure. I do know chicks here in the U.S. who I've heard say they think it'd be really funny that if a missionary ever comes to their door, they're going to offer them sex. Well, if they're in the Philippines, be careful because they might actually take you up. No, on no, that. like, <laughs> well, no, no. If, if, like, you were the missionary that you came to their house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They'd be like, they, their thing is to get you to go away. It's to go, hey, yeah, well, watch like, this come in here and we can go have a romp in the room. And they'll be like, no. Well, uh, yeah, and the, and the Utah missionaries especially, they're a little different than the Filipino ones. They, yeah. The, the attitude is different. So you, so you come home. You've, you've got all these doubts. You've got all this intelligence. All well, this. But, I mean, did you, did you really have a whole lot of doubts when you came home or were you still? A lot of doubts. Strong testimony. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. All right. So I guess. So not necessarily doubts, but questions, maybe. I understand your question. I'm basing this on the article that he wrote, which which he started having what I consider serious doubts in the MTC. Yeah. Right. Which we we've kind of been going over, but I mean, all all along you've sort of been covering that, shadowing it. I'll just rely more on Jesus. Let's put my faith in this. Let's you know do what I'm told, whatever kind of thing. But all along the way, you've had some significant doubts, right? Obviously high intelligence. And, and so you're moving along, right? Ever, whatever. So you, now you're sent home, right? Yeah. All this stuff is still churning, right? You have a testimony, but you, but, but you're not, you, you're still wondering, right? And, right. and then, uh, you saw the heretics guide to, to Mormonism, right? On YouTube. Right. On YouTube by David Fitzgerald. Yeah. Great guy. I uh, love David. Yeah. Good. David's great. And he actually gave a shout out when that article was posted on the friendly atheist. And we talked about it a nice. little bit and he's nice. Met him at the atheist convention and he's, uh, Oh yeah. He's great. Such a nice guy. Yeah. Super gregarious for yeah. sure. Yep. So loved, loved every, like love that guy. Gregarious. Yeah. Nice. Magnanimous as well. Yeah. Excellent. Good word Big choice. Big words. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what happened then? Um, that blew my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought half of it was lies. This is yep. not stuff you teach you you teach as a missionary, nor stuff that you learn in the church. Um, as at least us three know that when you're growing up in the church, there's very little of that actually that they teach you. Oh, they're none. more concerned yeah. with like like what is faith and how do you pray? Like it may things. be the truth, but is it helpful? Yeah, some things that are true are right. not very useful. Yeah. Right, Boyd K. Packer. Yeah. Is that it? Yeah. yeah. Well, well, and this, but the, no, but this goes all the way back to, excuse me, Adam's search for knowledge, which caused the fall. So, yeah. So, so the search for truth has always been a bad thing. Yeah, which is very interesting that that an um, omnipotent being, an right. omniscient being, I should say, would would be willing to both either to, either to keep you in darkness. So right, well, so I know, when you, especially when you look at the the origins or the the supposed origins of the Elias Church, where Joseph Smith was questioning and wanting to find out the truth about everything, right? Right, yeah. and that's how it all kick started. That's what right. got the religion started was him questioning and doubting and and going in search of the truth. Yes, and yeah. to build on that, the whole basis of the Mormon Church is that we could be gone someday, right? So now, yeah. from the perspective of God, I know everything. 
Joseph Smith wanted to know everything, and I gave it to him. Now you want to know stuff. Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> now that you want to know things, you have to go right? through the That's church. That's weird. Yeah. Everything, even even to the most the most sacred things like prayer, something the most personal personal revelation between you and God. Then you go to the temple and you learn the true order, and oh yeah, it's, that right. is standardized and done through the church. Yep. Or the Masonic handshake, the temple handshake. Yeah, everything, everything, <laughs> everything that was supposed to be sacred and spiritual to you is now all of a sudden um, standardized, um, made into you have to go through the church to get anywhere, and that is very interesting. But so when I read David Fitzgerald, or when I, I I've read it now, but I saw the YouTube video, when I saw that YouTube video, I had to research. So I researched and. Most of the things you're going to find if you're a Mormon, you dismiss with the ad hominem caricature of anti-Mormon literature so you don't pay any attention to it. So I had to go to Mormon sources. So what I found is, and I encourage everybody that's, that's listening to this right now, if you ever get missionaries at your doorstep and they encourage you to read the Book of Mormon, whatever you do, try to find a copy. Try to find a copy. It's very difficult to find, but try to find one of B.H. Roberts' Studies of the Book of Mormon. Yeah. Um, it's very hard to dismiss that as anti-Mormon literature because he was a, an official church historian and apostle. And most everything that, that David Fitzgerald says, um, at least historically in his speech, you can find in studies of the Book of Mormon, mm. at least when it comes to um, how Joseph Smith, if he, how he was able to write it, if he did write it, or um, just inconsistencies within the, the book itself. Um, it's very hard to dismiss that. So I encourage everybody to read that if they can get their hands on it. And so yeah. after David Fitzgerald, I got a hand of studies of the Book of Mormon by B.H. Roberts. Mm-hmm. And that was a book that, and just for everybody that doesn't know really quickly, he was commissioned by the First Presidency to write a book defending the Book of Mormon he, uh, as a historian, saying that it was a salient book from a historical perspective, that there was no way Joseph Smith could have written it, um, because it was it was historical and it was factual, it was right, right. good from front to back, and his findings were completely contrary. And even though he stayed a lifelong Mormon in yeah, which is in weird. the yeah in in the quorum for the yeah. rest of his life, um, that he there was still that book and there were still those doubts in his mind. And it's very interesting because as soon as he published that, the church wouldn't publish it under their name. And so after he died, his family had to publish it under under an independent publisher. Mm-hmm. But it was still written by him. It was still researched by him. He was still commissioned to do it. So I encourage everybody to read that. So I read that after I had seen David Fitzgerald's YouTube video. And that is when the dominoes really started to fall. Right. That led you to Reza Aslan. But, yeah, which that... who I now despise. <laughs> but at <laughs> but, the time but, it was very useful, yes. Yeah. Sure. But that but that led you to Hitchens. Yeah, so Reza Aslan and then, and then to Sam Harris. Reza Aslan sort of got me questioning does the historical Jesus of Nazareth really exist? Mm-hmm. That got me questioning that. And then that <laughs> kind of gives you does God even exist? Yep. And that's where Hitchens sort of came in. Yeah, and, and yeah. yeah. And which is, rest it, is history. in a sense, it's similar to me. My my steps are a lot smaller. I mean, yours yours is a lot more interesting uh, <laughs> a, a story. But um, you know, I had questions back and forth all the time. But I I, I discovered Dawkins yeah. on YouTube, which led me to Hitchens, which sort of was the home run hit. I mean, he he sort of laid it to rest for me. Yeah. Um, 
uh, and uh, you know, I didn't go to Aslan or any, uh, any, any, anything like that necessarily. I mean, I've seen that since, but, but it was Dawkins and then Hitchens really was, was, but, but that's interesting. I mean, and, and, and your, your battle is, as was a lot more in depth and, and, and a, a, a fascinating roller coaster ride. Well, thank you. Yeah, it's it was definitely a roller coaster ride, especially with the whole family trying to. Sure, sure. Know, and that's still an issue. Yeah. So you you say sort of in your closing paragraph that your immediate family and Mormon extended family and friends are still very upset with the decisions you made to leave the church. Um, fallout's very real and still quite difficult, and your family refuses to talk to you still. Is, is that the case still? Um, at this point, they're starting to lighten up. Okay. We did, we were able to go on a family cruise with some of them just up to Alaska. And during that time, they started, to, um, some of them that were having issues had started to open up at that point, but there is still quite a big, um, issue. There's a rift on there. there. Yeah. There's still a rift. Yeah. Um, and you also say that you remember clearly your mother crying on the sofa, yeah, after you told her of your deconversion. And I think that's that. I can't fault her for that. Um, I think that well, she's very true believing, and that this is not only her life, but I'm the son that she adopted. We got sealed together for time and eternity. Like this is this is she wants to be with me forever, as well, as 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 her son. That and. To her, it gives her comfort. What about her saying that she she doesn't want a son who's going to hell? Yeah, and again, I got flack for misusing hell, no. I guess, but I meant spirit prison in this case. Fair which, enough. Which they call hell, and she didn't want that because she wants a, a son that's going to teach people, not have to sit and get taught after he's already um, heard the gospel but denied it. Well, so, and, and, and my question after reading this was... Um, you know the, the the Mormon Church tries very hard to link themselves to uh, mainstream Christianity yeah. and, and biblical precepts, right? And even though these aren't exactly accurate according to the Bible, they still think about Jesus as merciful, forgiving, loving, mm-hmm. you know, uh, unconditionally loving, compassionate, right? What about those features? about Jesus that, that aren't being applied as far as I can see in, in, in this sense here. I think it's very much illustrated in the numbers and this isn't just, this isn't just me just spouting off, you know, anecdotal experience, but this is statistical and you can look it up. It's very widely available. Mormon or gay Mormon youth are, um, kicked out of their houses at an incredibly high rate. Very high. Yeah. Especially, here in in Utah, yeah, um, and so to me that very much highlights the hypocrisy. I think that those precepts that you're talking about, the love and acceptance, are literally the only things that's stopping a lot of families from kicking their from from absolutely severing complete ties and connections with their mm-hmm. their kids. That's a very interesting perspective. Yeah. So when did you actually hand in your letter of resignation to the church? That was a process. <laughs> it is, right? They didn't want me to go. No. No. They, um, I can't quite remember. Maybe it was April, May, June, July. Somewhere between Ju- like Late May. spring, early summer. Yeah, somewhere between May and August. Um, I think because I, I remember I, was, I taped an episode of The Atheist Viewpoint with Danielle Moscato. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
and um, I hadn't gotten my letter back yet. But so they sent they sent two pairs of bishops, my old bishop uh-huh. and the bishop that uh, the place that I moved into, and stake president, and um, two pairs of missionaries and elders quorum presidents and second count bishopric people, like a bunch of leadership to my house. This was an ordeal for for two months or so. Yeah, and after I threatened legal action, that's when they started to really pick up the pace with the entire process. So. Well, and so the the first time I met you was at the American Atheist Convention here in Salt Lake City. Yeah. And if I recall correctly, you showed up one day in your missionary garb. I, I did, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, was that you? Yeah. Okay. Was yeah. I was I was the guy that stood up in, in the middle of that entire group and, and told Debbie, was that her name? I can't remember. No, not Debbie. The the African American lady that was standing Oh Jamila. Jamila. And told her that she was a fence sitter in the pre-existence. Oh, <laughs> nice! Yeah, so, <laughs> everybody, you should have heard the audible gasp. I from bet. From the room. They were just like, <gasps> oh. all, all of our, our former LDS listeners, and we'll we'll understand that. No, I, I had no idea that was you. Yeah, that was me. You, you created a rather awkward situation for me as well. My my, <laughs> congratulations. My uh, my department manager was there on a side job, yeah. who uh, I didn't know at the time, but owned a photo booth uh, and had contracted that job, and is devoutly Mormon. And then and then <laughs> saw you walking around in temple garb and saw me. Walking around as well <laughs> at the atheist convention. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm not. I'm not open at my. Oh yeah, that was a uh, Matt Harrison. Totally, Matt Harrison but, did the temple garb, um, and I did the missionary yeah. outfit. Oh, oh, yeah. oh. Okay, all right. But either way, yeah, yeah super it was funny. It was it was interesting. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, we were talking about that pre-podcast. I think before you got here, and Tracy was like, "Oh yeah, he's the guy who came dressed as a missionary, right?" And everybody was throwing shade on him. Yeah, everybody. everybody oh, right, right, right. I remember okay. people sort of like like sidling up to me, like, "So, are you still like a? Are what you, are you doing here? Are you still a a, a Mormon a missionary?" And I'm like, "No, no." It's a and they're like, "You could see them relax, like, oh, okay, oh, good, good. So, okay, <laughs> I can talk to you just yeah. like a normal human being." Now. Yeah, but like it was because it was very convincing, obviously. Um, even though yeah. I didn't have a companion, which I was surprised that people didn't point that out more, but it was very interesting because most people thought I was a Mormon missionary there for at least the first couple hours um, of that day, mm-hmm. and everybody was still extremely nice. Nobody was rude. Yeah. Nobody tried to shout things at me or sl- use any slurs at me. Everybody was kind of kept to themselves and were more curious than anything. I guarantee you, you wouldn't get that oh, no. sort of reaction as an open atheist no. in um, in a church, a Mormon church, yeah. or, or anything like no, that. No, and I I remember talking to Dan about it. <clears throat> Excuse me, but my sister and I, I mean, I have two sisters. Those are my only siblings, but we're we're all atheists. But um, we, my my younger sister and I, went to the convention. It was like the first public atheist thing we'd ever done, and it took us at least a full day, maybe two to really feel comfortable. Like, okay, everyone here's really cool and stuff like that. You know, like, like yeah. we could settle in a little bit, you know, where we, we didn't have to feel so, so I know what you're talking about. I yeah. mean, it's that, that, that weird kind of, but I think part of that's, you know, I live in Orem. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, you, Utah County is is a little unique. I mean, yeah, but mm-hmm. even even still, you know, maybe that's personality. I don't know. I'm not I'm not aggressive with it. Yeah, until we get behind the mics. But yeah, well, <laughs> well yeah. Ryan. I mean, thanks, it's, Ryan. It's not like it's not like you know, <laughs> me me being an atheist means that I'm going door to door, knocking. You know. Right, tracting right. people well, yeah, or, yeah, yeah, course, or doing course, anything like I, I'm not a I'm not an atheist missionary. I no. don't fucking go out around the world and try to convince people that they should be an atheist. But if somebody asks me about it, I'm open about it, yeah. and, I, and I tell them yeah, yeah. what I think. I, I actually I like it when like Jehovah's Witnesses or or mm. evangelical Christians or or Mormons knock on my door because yeah, I can't fucking get them to come to my house, man. <laughs> I'll let them in. I'll, I'll, I'll offer I'll offer them something to drink. Um, and then I'll, I'll let them preach to me for a while. Uh huh. And then I have some fun with it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I just get the new earth creationists come by my house and yeah. the people ask yeah. me, do you know how to speak Spanish? Yeah, the young earthers. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're looking for people to spread the word of the Lord in Spanish. Oh. I, well. uh, no and no. Which Lord? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> if you want me to go spread the FSM message. I, I'm down. <laughs> I actually have the Jehovah's Witnesses coming on on sun, on Sunday. Oh, Saturday is usually Saturday. Yeah, Saturday. Saturday. Yeah, yeah. yeah they're coming on Saturday at eleven in the morning. Yeah, I'm Wait, sure you'll handle that well. I should I should come by your house with some video cameras. You should. Oh, that'd be great. <laughs> you're, you're, you're officially invited. I'm like, I had to think. I'm like, today's Wednesday. I work Thursday, Friday. I'm off Saturday. Saturday. So they're coming this Saturday. Like, this is something you've set up with them. Yeah, they came That's last so, Saturday. Um, and that was the that was the the Saturday. I always give them one week to prepare, oh, okay. and so I'm always <laughs> nice. super soft, very nice, nice. Like going through the Bible with them. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I'll download your app, you know. And then always around week two is when like it really gets fun, like the philosophical problems and <laughs> the scientific problems. Oh yeah. wait, you you don't believe you believe in creation you, you believe in intelligent design you lull them and then you give them the the, the knockout blow and then th- sometimes i gotta give some jehovah's witnesses one pair of jehovah's witnesses lasted for yeah. five weeks wow yeah. and some of them know their shit and they didn't they're, know their they're, shit they're but fighting. they, oh, they, okay. they really, fighters. they yeah they were fighting oh, they were tenacious okay. yeah and 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 but then eventually they were like yeah we can't yeah. They didn't say we're not coming back, but they're like, well, it was good talking to you. Maybe we'll see you again sometime. And so, That's yeah. the cool Have fun there. in hell, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, well, you too, because you're not part of the 144,000. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> so we're getting about that time to wrap up again for tonight. Yeah, let's just uh, let's just close with the the last but, bit that, uh, that uh, Greg wrote here. Um, after he, he talked about his mom having the difficulty about him going to hell and so forth, um... He said, but it's worth it. As Hitchens said, quote, take the risk of thinking for yourself. Much more happiness, truth, beauty, and wisdom will come to you that way. Uh, I thought that was pretty poignant and, and, and a pretty mature attitude to take, actually, at the end of that. Yeah. Um, and I've, I've always loved that quote. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great one. Yeah. And, and going back to the, the, the question of hell and, and then, you know, inevitably that leads, that leads to questions of heaven and everything. I've never understood how any religious person can 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 try to hold both views that heaven is a perfect place where I'm right. eternally happy, you know, I get to see the people that I love, but then knowing that there are people who yep. are not in heaven, including, you know, for my family members yep. who love me in this life, but know, according to their religion, that I will never be able to join them in heaven. 
and that they would still be perfectly happy with that. Right. You know what? What does that say about them as a human being? Yep. That that they would be perfectly fine having someone not experiencing that. And then how, how would they then be able to view heaven as this wonderful and glorious and perfectly happy place with the knowledge that there are people that aren't there? And if that knowledge is taken from them, you know, if their if their mind is wiped clean of any kind of thing like that, then yeah. why would they choose to go there anyway? If they're not going to be themselves, I don't know. It's it's something that's always bothered me about the whole it raises the whole a, concept. Yeah, yeah, it raises sure. a large number of ethical questions for yeah. sure. Yep. Yeah. Um real quickly before we go too, I wanted to mention podcast Phil. That's what I wanted you to get in. I'm like, we should have mentioned it right off the bat at the beginning. And I was like, fuck, it's going to be at the end now. So Podcast Phil is a, uh, it's short for uh, basically podcast philanthropy. Uh, there are a bunch of local podcasts here in Utah that have decided to band together in an effort to uh, provide some philanthropic resources for a couple of different things. Uh, first is to help a local family here who... Uh, Needs a lot of help financially. They're going through some really rough times and have some more rough times ahead of them. Um, we're trying to raise some money for them, and we're also trying to raise money for ah shit. And I it's it's escaped me now. I believe it used to be called the Indian Walk-in Center. Um, anyway, this is a this is a new venture that uh, the Godless Revolution has decided to join along with several other local podcasts. Uh, it's being headed by. Uh, J.M. Bell of Deafen Media, who runs The Left Show and Hold 322. Um, he's also recently brought on another podcast. And uh, those those three podcasts, along with several other uh, local podcasts, um, have decided that we want to get together and try to raise money for these two different uh, very worthy causes. Yeah, And there's a little bit of contest. So the podcast who raises the most money... Jeff will surrender his time and resources to them to to uh, host one of their shows on his dime and his time and and talent and resources. Um, you can find out a whole lot more about it if you go to podcastphil.com. And uh, if you choose to make a donation, which I hope you will, um, if you would put it in the name of the Godless Revolution, that would be fantastic. We'll be entered into the contest to see which podcast can raise the most money for these causes. And you can find out a whole lot more about each of them also. Um, and I'm fairly certain we'll, we'll have a, uh, a link put up on the, uh, Gallus revolution Facebook page for this yeah. as well. Yeah. So come on all revolutionaries. <laughs> let's rally. Let's win this. Let's get some of Jeff's time. Right. And we'll put this at the top of the show next week. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, so uh, so that we're not missing anybody, but we need all the revolutionaries to come on board for this one. Yeah, and we're working against a, a fairly short time frame. I believe this is running only through the month of December mm-hmm. um, and trying to raise money for these. So please go and check it out at podcastphil.com, and I will be throwing out some links and more information on the Godless Revolution Facebook page as well as my own timeline uh, for those who are interested in helping us out. It's podcastphil.com. Yes. Go podcast phil phil spend money on revolutionaries help also, people out uh greg has been a brilliant uh guest what what plugs have you got say your blog again repeat oh, it yes. if, you, if you need to whatever greg, else you got let's okay so you can contact me on twitter that's at greg leo one greg um, leo yes g-r-e-g-l-e-o one 
Um, gregleo.weebly.com is my blog. Um, and if you can find me on Facebook, you're more than welcome to friend me, but you have to find me first. Oh, <laughs> check out his blog. I'll tell you what, this guy's, this guy's a great writer. As you could tell, he's a brilliant kid. He's a, he's a, an he's up and comer. Yeah. He, he's doing great. So check him out. Thanks everybody. See you next week. Thanks for tuning in everybody. Bye-bye.